Attention to roll call. Welcome to the 265 Police Live Series. Brought to you by the New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide expert analysis of past and present law enforcement related events with a trained eye. Listen to the boots on the ground weigh in on the court of public opinion. All right, everybody, how you doing? 265 Police Live Series. We're here to give you police content, police-related events that are going on a uh, weekly basis. Here we are. Uh, John and I have been talking about this issue. It's very important. I think it's something that the cops uh, are not really understanding uh, unless it has affected them. But even, even then, if it has affected them, I'm not really sure if they've got a complete grasp on exactly what this doctrine is. And when I refer to it, I'm talking about the disciplinary matrix that was implemented in 2021 for the NYPD. Now, I've done my research on this, and it's my opinion that the NYPD obviously uh, had a knee-jerk reaction, which they've done in the past. Historically, the NYPD has a knee-jerk reaction to different situations based on the climate and other things, and then they'll make a decision showing that they're uh, – I would like to say that they're showing that they're in the game, you know. Post-George Floyd, their knee-jerk reaction was disbanding anti-crime. But the implementation of the disciplinary matrix, in my opinion, is a piggyback of other police departments throughout the country in response to George Floyd. Because that's what a lot of other departments were doing, particularly uh, Baltimore, which I would say is a similar type city to New York. It's a democratic city, definitely similar type, similar type of politics, um, leaning towards trying to push up positions for minorities in that particular city, uh, a major drug problem there, the same thing that's going on in New York City right now. And the disciplinary matrix was implemented in that city. But I've said before uh, in another podcast, and I really mean this, policing is not a one-size-fits-all. So it may be conducive for Baltimore or another city, but not necessarily for the NYPD. And the reason why I say this, the NYPD already has more oversight than any police department in the entire country and probably the entire world. And when I say that, the police department has internally, internal affairs, right, which investigates misconduct, corruption. But then within that also, that tier, we also have what's called an inspections unit. So that's a, a unit that is assigned to investigate police officers to make sure that there's control, discipline. And that's more administrative stuff and policies. You know, I, I would say, for instance, uh, if a police officer is, is parking their car illegally, using the plaque inappropriately. That's something that the inspections unit would investigate. If there was some more corruption involved, then we would be kicked up to eternal affairs. Then we also have what is the federal monitor that's overseeing the police department right now uh, as a knee-jerk reaction in response to the stop-and-frisk court case that, that had went on. In addition to that, there's also a unit that was implemented called the risk management unit, which is a team of attorneys in conjunction with executives at the police department to oversee the police department along with the body cameras to make sure it's used appropriately and making sure that we're using the body cameras in response to that court case as well. Then we also have, and this is why I think the disciplinary matrix is a huge problem, because this particular unit is, is weaponizing the disciplinary matrix and it's becoming extremely punitive against the cops. And if you if you really break down the disciplinary matrix, you have to understand that CCRB. And, and I've you know I was an LBA delegate, and I remember Lou Turco, to his credit, as the president of the LBA, 
he and I discussed CCRB numerous times. We were constantly on the phone because obviously with my situation, we get numerous sets of charges. He had referred to the uh, CCRB along the disciplinary matrix as they were using their own algorithm, which is true. So that other independent unit, which is CCRB, is an independent watchdog that also has oversight on the police department. So as a police officer, you have so much oversight on every angle. I mean, I, I would say that the NYPD has the most restraint of any department and shows the most discipline of any department throughout the country and the entire world. And there's so much oversight. And with that also, there's a culture on this job that has been implemented from the academy, academy moving forward. I don't know about now. And they instill in you integrity. integrity. I mean, it's drilled into your brain. And then the police department amongst themselves, we police our own. And I, it's, I'm sure some people in the public, these anti-advocates for police department and, and those that have this anti-sentiment and the Christian anti-rhetoric for, for the police believe that there's this blue line and the police department protects each other at no ends. That is actually not not the case at all. If a police officer is right, yes, we'll defend each other. But when a police officer is acting inappropriately, inappropriately, believe me, the police department police, polices its own and will weed these people out. So what's going on with the civilian, uh, civilian complaint report, civilian complaint review board, in conjunction with this very matrix, is that the CCRB weaponizes the disciplinary matrix. And when I say that there's an algorithm, we're going to go into the, the document here, and we're going to go into this document based off uh, Keychain Sewell's uh, uh, response into how the disciplinary matrix, uh, she's actually recognized that it needs to be revamped in such a short time. That's how we know this is such a flawed document. Here we are 18 months later, approximately since the implementation of the disciplinary matrix for the police department, and here we are already having to revamp it in such a short amount of time. Just to show us how flawed this document is. But CCRB saw a great opportunity and saw a window that, wait, we can really be punitive with cops. I can tell you that. So before we really go into everything, I'm just going to tell you this. And this is how they weaponize it. Because there's presumptive penalties, there's mitigating, there's aggravating. And what happens with these aggravating factors, we're going to go into it, but I just want to give you a little introduction. That if you have a, your own disciplinary history, you now what's have you now are subject to aggravating factors. So what, what does that mean? That means that if you were involved in a civilian complaint and it's substantiated, and normally you would get what's called a command discipline, an ACD or a BCD for the public that doesn't understand. That means it's on the command level. So it's not really, it's not formal discipline, but it's just discipline so that we maintain control in the precinct. Also as an educating tool, maybe training, instruction, or maybe you might lose some vacation time, but minimal, basically just, just, just corrective behavior. And that's what discipline should be. It should be not punitive, but corrective behavior. Unless there's misconduct and something that that would be held by, and that would be investigated by internal affairs anyway. So what happens is, and, and I'm going to give you just a glimpse into this. I had a case in particular where I was substantiated. And in this particular case, I don't want to give names. It was a car stop. I, myself, another lieutenant was involved in it, and several police officers. And those other police officers and the lieutenant there did not have as many civilian complaints as I did. So we all were found substantiated on the same civilian complaint for this car stop. They said the search wasn't good. Uh, they said that we threatened to arrest them. We threatened to damage their property. These particular persons of interest, the uh, subjects, did not want to roll the window down after 10 minutes, would not produce license, ID. The windows were tinted. So eventually I did 
give them a warning that if they were not going to comply, that this vehicle will be towed with a minute, and I would also break the window. Now, this is about 10 minutes into it. Now, we were all involved in the same case. I was substantiated, and I got charges, and eventually, with the settlement, I lost 21 vacation days. But the other cops that were involved and the supervisor got a command discipline at the command level because they didn't have the aggravating factors that I had. And the aggravating factors are within a three-year period, a disciplinary history of a pattern of the same thing. And what's the pattern of getting somebody complaints? So, John, let's go into this article and let's talk about how Keychan Sewell's approach to the disciplinary matrix. And then we can break it down so our cops and the public really understand how damaging that this document in doctrine is the department. And, and Commissioner Shea, which I'm very disappointed, he was supposed to be a cop's cop. He was the one that embraced this document. He implemented it and he gave his thumbs up on it. And it was really disappointing because here was a guy that served in the New York City Police Department for possibly 30 years. He oversaw Comstat with the Crime Controls Unit, Crime Control Strategies Unit. He taught police officers how to be sergeants, lieutenants, as he was one of the founders of the company called The Key. And yet when it came time for him to be a commissioner, he actually thought that this document was appropriate. Absolutely not. It does not, It's not suitable for New York City Police Department. This department is way too vast. It has too much oversight. And it's too easily to be weaponized, to be punitive, and to terminate cops. And it's my opinion, when we go back to South Greco, you're going to see when we break down this document, you're going to see that, this document was weaponized to terminate South Greco, where others received minuscule penalties for the same incident. But unfortunately, they were able to weaponize the disciplinary matrix to actually have him terminated because that was their ultimate goal. Yeah, it's a it's it's a terrible document. It, like you said, it came in under Dermot Shea. Um, and again, I'm just going to say this is part of the anti-police pro-criminal legislation that I always talk about. This is policy. This is pro-criminal anti-police policy that was instituted and implemented with our own police commissioner's hand in it. Um, I think I, you know, I shared a video today for anybody that follows me on social media. I shared a video today on my Twitter, on my Instagram, and it basically shows – uh, Dermot Shea sitting there masked up and he was sitting there with the at time chair of CCRB, Fred Davies. And my favorite and my favorite uh, fake Italian, Bill de Blasio. And, you know, so it, they were sitting there and he's they're, they're going over the disciplinary matrix and he's talking about how he brings it in. And one of the things he says there and, and it, it really highlights the mind frame of the progressive the progressive mind and how I say that with the police department is now a progressive NYPD. And he says, it, he says it perfectly in there. He says, we've reduced the number of arrests. We've reduced the number of stops and we've reduced the number of summonses. But what he didn't reduce or even keep an eye on is crime. Crime's up at this point. Crime's rising at this point. And he's, the mind frame of the police department of the NYPD is we're out to reduce arrests, summonses, and stops. It's kind of contradictory. It's contradictory to a, a crime fighting operation, right? If you're going to fight crime, how will you fight crime 
without arresting, summonsing, and stopping individuals who are likely to engage in criminal activities. So disciplinary matrix came in. Uh, I do believe it was weaponized against Eric as well. You know, um, it's something we highlighted on his podcast. I know his podcast went pretty viral. A lot of people in the department have listened to that. Um, I do believe that possibly Key Chansu will listen to that and came to the conclusion to try to change this document for the better based upon that interview. Um, And we're going to go into what she says, why she wants to change it. We're going to go read the article, and then we're going to go into the disciplinary matrix. I don't think there's anyone better to bring us through that than Eric Dim. Um, So I think he knows the matrix better than the people who are handing the discipline down. And, you know, just before I get into the article, you know, the disciplinary matrix came in under under the presumption and the statement that discipline must be equal amongst all. I do something and you do something. It must be equal. And we're not seeing that at all today in the NYPD. So even though we wrote this on paper, there's still much room for manipulation inside of this. But the average men and women on this job, and I I do applaud the police commissioner for going to change this, but there's a lot of other things that need to be changed other than just this. If you're looking to stop this exodus, because I'll tell you, this is hot and heavy and people all leaving. You know, I I also, I began messages, 10's the new 20. That's a scary statement. 10 is the new 20 amongst tier three. So there's a lot more to be done than just changing this document. Uh, But we're going to go into what we think you should change and what we think should. So let's go. I'm just going to start to read the article. John, I just want to. Yeah, yeah. Before you go ahead, can you just tell the public, I think it's important that they understand why 10 is the new 20. I think it's important because we've been explaining tier three, but if you explain to them why 10 is the new 20, it's very important. So they understand how this correlates with the mass exodus. So, okay. So, you know, we've spoke about uh, tier two, tier three pension. Me and Eric Dim were in a tier two pension system where after 20 years we could retire. Uh, Cops that have came on after 2009 fall into the tier three. And there's three separate versions of tier three that came out. I believe currently the majority are in tier three enhanced now. Um, tier three enhanced. And what that is, is these cops could retire at 22 and a half years, 22 and a half years for somewhat of a, a full retirement, but it's actually 25 years for the full retirement benefits to get the COLA, the cost of living increase adjustment. But I think something that Eric highlighted in there is that you're going to get that cost of living adjustment, those extra two and a half years. You're going to be close to Social Security age. And then as Social Security kicks in, your pension will be reduced by whatever you get in Social Security. So you're actually not getting a cost of living increase. You're actually getting money taken from you. And, you know, it's actually, you, you know, you you put into your pension and now your pension is going to get reduced from you later on in life. And you also put the money into your social security so that money is going to be used against you so what eric's saying is that basically and eric's opinion and i I agree with him is that these guys are seeing the big picture and they're saying okay when am i fully vested so for tier three to be fully vested like we said on the last episode is if you want to be fully vested with health benefits 
in in tier three, it's ten years, and you get you get a vested you get a vested pension with health care. If you could vest at five and a half, but if you do that, you will not have health care. Um, so that's why these guys are now saying ten is the new twenty. Very scary. Very scary. Well said. Um, is that is that what was that what you were looking for? Is that like yeah, that, that explanation? Exactly. So they understand because that's my opinion. If you're a young guy at 21, it's actually a smart move. You stay in this job for 10 years, you get a fully vested package, and then you're still a young man or young woman, and you could get another law enforcement job in a, in a department that appreciates you, respects you, and you could do another 20 years or 30 years easily. It's still it's still reap the benefits, and now you're getting both. You get the NYPD resume, an NYPD package, but you don't have to be treated mis- uh, mistreated for the next 10 years also. And you also don't have to go through that, staying t- to 25, being close to security, social security age, then getting that social security offset. And also, it's my opinion that it- it's actually 22-year retirements, not 22 and a half anymore. They want a lawsuit. But it's 22. So it doesn't – hey, this is where the department's going to have a problem. It makes zero sense to stay from 22 to 25 because these guys pay 3% pre-tax and 1% post-tax just to wear the uniform, and that money's not going to be pensionable anymore. So they're going to be coming to work for free. And so basically, if you stay at 25, you're going to spend a dollar to make a quarter. That's that's a problem. So I, I, I definitely agree. Do the 10 years, get a fully vested package, go to Florida or go to Tennessee, one of these states that will appreciate you, and get yourself another 20, 30-year career, and now you're getting two pensions. That's a great move. No, or, or go to Nassau if we just got a contract and they're making their cops at top pay and making more than LCD lieutenants in the NYPD. Um, and, and the only thing I'll say about that is, listen, they're a much smaller department. The taxes there are super high. They don't have a paid fire department. They're volunteer. There's a lot of different things. So I don't think we would ever fully be on par with them, but we should be a lot closer to them. Hundred percent. Like we should be a lot closer to them. I don't know that we would ever be that high as 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 a regular officer. But you know, like I said, they're making LCD pay as as cops. Like that's not that's that's no joke. You know, so uh, good for them. So if you could go there, I've seen a bunch of guys leave Suffolk, Nassau. I mean, Port Authority if they'll take you. Uh, but, you know, not with stuff like this, as we're seeing, guys are having a hard time with their CCRBs and the way that this disciplinary matrix is. It's it's really crushing people's careers. You know, you want to go to federal. It's like this is this is and this is forever. And that's something we're going to get into. This is something that's forever. Remember, we're passing legislation in New York right now that if you burglarize houses, you beat up and rob old women. That's going to come off your record in seven years as long as we say you're a good boy and you aren't charged again. But this stuff's never going off your record. Eric Dim is always going to be a, a state-sponsored brutalizer, you know, and that's and that's and that's it's wrong. It's wrong. It absolutely is. We're not being we're not being afforded due process in the as uh, police officers, and we're not being afforded uh, equal protection under the law. And 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 we're going to go into that. We're going to go into that right now. So uh, article comes out by Craig McCarthy in the Post. NYPD to change disciplinary guidelines after cases manifestly unfair to cops. And he says that police commissioner Keechan Sewell says she plans to make changes to the NYPD's disciplinary guidelines, reducing penalties after finding dozens of cases 
were manifestly unfair to cops, the Post has learned. The city's top cop in an internal memo distributed Wednesday said she reduced or dismissed penalties recommended by the internal police judges and the Civilian Complaint Review Board in at least 72 cases. In the memo, first reported by the Post, Sewell said she would soon amend the department's disciplinary matrix, but did not detail what changes she planned to make. An NYPD spokesperson said the proposed revision will be made for public review, but did not say when. I don't think we need to go into the rest of this article. I think that that says enough right there. She didn't highlight what changes she was going to make, right? So let's highlight the changes that we think that she should make. Why don't you, we start to break down the disciplinary the disciplinary matrix and actually go into that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, listen, obviously we're going to discuss how changes should be made because that's what she said and she's working off of it. But honestly, I mean, the whole thing just needs to be removed and, and totally repealed. But since we are working with this document, that's what we have. Moving forward, one, we have to immediately, I think that this whole ideology of having this three-column system of presumptive penalties, mitigating and aggravating, that has to be removed completely because that's the that's that's the part that is being weaponized by CCRB. Now, I can't speak to say if it's been weaponized yet by our own department internally, by internal affairs, because I have not been the subject for any internal affairs cases while this disciplinary matrix has been implemented. But as myself, when it comes to Civilian Complaint Review Board, I was uh, on the receiving end with this document being weaponized. And that's the other problem I thought. And I really believe that that uh, people should be grandfathered in, in a sense. Well, the CCRB cases that I had substantiated that I was facing my last year was 2021 to 2022 when the discipline matrix had been implemented. But these cases that I had all stemmed from 2018 up to 2000 and up to June 2020, because June 2020, which was the riots, that was the last CCRBs I actually received. So these cases that I had, they were all old cases, but they had gotten extension for co- because of COVID. I think it was 228 days extra they had gotten. And this, the disciplinary matrix is what was utilized in my particular cases, even though these cases happened before the disciplinary matrix was even in existence. So there was never anything about anyone being uh, grandfathered in, which I think that she needs to make that a change. I think that if you have a case that's being investigated before the disciplinary matrix was implemented, then you should be subject to the discipline that the discipline guidelines that we had before. Because that's that was the time that you had your case. It doesn't apply to now. I don't think I, I think that if you have a case going from when the disciplinary disciplinary matrix was implemented going forward, that's going to be, be applied. But first I need to, we need to analyze it's exactly that. Presumptive penalties, okay, which is down the middle, mitigating factors which would be on the left-hand side, which is you're involved in some type of incident, but there are mitigating factors. Means that there are factors. Let me give you, for instance, so in one particular case uh, that I was substantiated and I had agreed to a settlement for retirement purposes, just, just to get it out of the way, I was fighting with a particular perpetrator who was wanted for, for uh, firing shots and shooting at a, 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 a particular, a, another gang member. Uh, he was also the, uh, a suspected of being involved in, in the shooting of 
of a five-year-old boy that I was involved in saving his life. And this particular shoot was, I, he has a history of fighting with cops and, and the fight was on immediately when we went to approach him. In that particular case, obviously the, the CCRB uh, doesn't understand what it is to be involved in a fight with someone that doesn't want to go to jail. But this particular case, since he had a violent history and the CCRB admitted in their narrative that he was resisting violently, that that was a mitigating factor. So instead of losing 20 days, I was subject to losing 10 days. Now, in the aggravate, now we need to look at what's on the right, is the aggravating factors. This is the part that's really being weaponized, John. We really need to get this out to the public. And an aggravating factor could be other discipline that you have, other cases that are similar within a three-year period. A three-year period. Now, I said that's a long time. Uh, and also, your rank can be an aggravating factor. The fact that you're a supervisor, it's like, well, you should know better. Your time on the job, your experience, the unit that you're in, all these things, basically you become a victim of your own success. So they're, they, they're actually, I hope the cops are actually looking. Please look at the disciplinary matrix. You can even Google it on your phone. But when you're on the internet at work, Google it. Actually take the time to read through it. If, if you don't want to read everything, listen, if you're one of those people just, just a lazy reader, I understand. But I am a firm believer that readers are leaders. But you have to read presumptive, mitigating, aggravating facts. You have to understand if you're an anti-crime guy, you're a public safety, a neighbor safety team guy, you have 10 years on the job, you're a sergeant, you're a lieutenant, these are aggravating factors. Now, how did CCRB weaponize it? Here's how they built disciplinary histories for cops. And they built it for me as well. So I was substantiated for eight sets Eight, uh, eight cases in one year where I received eight sets of charges. So it's in my opinion that the CCRB knew that they were not going to get a guilty verdict on all these cases. But what they did do, and it's smart on their behalf because they wanted to be punitive and I was definitely targeted on their list, is they weaponized the matrix so that they could give me charges in every case because they built my own disciplinary history. Within a three-year period, they were able to substantiate the cases. So now if a case that was similar to someone else, like I was talking about with these cops are involved in the same case myself, where everyone else will get a command discipline because I had the aggravating factors, which was the disciplinary history, a pattern, the same incident, which is getting CCRBs, and also my rank as a lieutenant, my time in the job experience, it enhanced the case, and I was only subject to charges based on CCRB's interpretation of the disciplinary matrix. This, this is an atrocity. This this should definitely, this should definitely have a red flag to the cops that are listening. Say, wait a minute, if I'm out there and I'm experienced, I got time on the job. Maybe I just got detective specialist because I'm a, a public safety anti-crime guy or a neighbor safety guy, and I have civilian complaints. And let's say I have three pending within a three-year period, and I've had CCRBs substantiated in that three-year period. I'm not getting a command discipline. They find me guilty. You're getting charges. Because you have aggravating factors. You're not getting the presumptive penalty. What is a presumptive penalty? A presumptive penalty is an automatic response. It, it, let me give you a, a, a for instance. If you went to a red light and it was by Department of Transportation and, you, and, the, and that flash went off, you automatically get a ticket. That's what the disciplinary matrix is. If you do A, B, C, or D, automatically it's presumptive. This is the automatic response that you get it. But if you have rank experience, now you're not just getting one ticket, 
you're getting two tickets. And the only way that you're going to get half a ticket is by some mitigating response. And it's very rare that says something mitigating. And I think it's laughable that in my case, it actually was written out by the CCRB narrative. And maybe I'll do a foil request so I can actually read it to the cops out there. And it said that Lieutenant Dib was authorized in using force. And the, the, the perpetrator was violently resisting. But at some point, Lieutenant Dib uh, utilized too many punches. He said I threw 14 to 9 seconds. That's pretty good, by the way. But... <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Nine seconds, yeah. 14. 14 I, uh, I think I do more. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, so my mitigating factor was that he was violently resisting. They actually acknowledged that he was violently resistant. He was wanting for a shooting. And I said this on prior podcasts, but I'm going to bring it up again. CCLB actually asked me, was he shooting at someone or shooting in his backyard? I don't know if they understand but this particular perpetrator was shooting at someone on Webster Avenue. He's got no backyard. This is a metropolis. Anyone could have gotten shot. But that just clearly shows them the, the inadequacy of CCRP that they really don't understand the ge- geographical area that they deal with. So but let's go into it, Chad. Yeah, so I but I like just to just to piggyback off what you're saying though. So and 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 that's a good thing, the 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 camera light, right? Like you're getting the camera clicks or you're getting the summons, right? But now you're a supervisor, you're getting a higher summons, right? Yes. Uh you've had one prior, you're getting a higher summons. And Absolutely. when it, and when it comes to excessive force and for a lot of things for a lot of things in this disciplinary matrix, if you have an aggravated penalty, basically almost every aggravated penalty is termination. So, yes. if, so you are like, so forget charges. If you would have stayed and been found guilty of excessive force, whether it was ridiculous as we've seen, like, how you how you continued to get found guilty of 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 that of of a fatal uh, allegation, a force allegation, you I mean you would have been terminated. Your next step, was, your your next step was termination. So like that's and that would have been your aggravated penalty. And and again, it's not taking into account the totality of the situation. It's just taking into account your rank your time on the job, and if you've had anything like this in three years. But what we're seeing is, right, when we keep saying you're building your own history with every job you respond to, with every time you put your name on a try report, with every time you do anything on this job at this point. Like, you know, I'm free of all my sins. I'm like, you know, I'm like the – I'm like how I was as a teenager. All my sins are absolved because there was no social media and I had no cell phone, right? So, like, no, none of those things were good. So, here I was doing uh, anti-crime work before try reporting, before IB built a system that they could tag you and everything, before body cameras, right? Before CCRB having all this power, before the disciplinary matrix. So, I look like a superstar. And all the things that even Eric did early on in his career, he's absolved of all of those sins. I don't believe that I, I ever did anything that were anything that I, I deserved any of that. And I don't believe like speaking to Eric and like knowing him and then going through his cases with him. I don't believe that he was really guilty of anything that he was found guilty of. So it's, you know, but here we are in this scenario, you're being held 
to the highest standard in the world. And it's not a high standard where, hey, look, if you have integrity, you won't you won't violate these rules. No, you're going to. You're gonna be found guilty of stuff because just just from the 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 basis of doing your job, you're one hundred percent gonna be accused of things. Every job you go to, every incident you're involved in, and this job has absolutely no problem putting you in bad situations. You know they don't care. They're like you know, CEO needs to get promoted. He's gonna button up to some lefty, and and he's gonna be like, yeah, go make this arrest, even though it's whatever. He's calling out the arrest, right? But guess what? He's not gonna be there. And, you know, I, I love how sergeants and cops and low-ranking captains and even some inspectors get held to these impossible standards. I do. I love how the failure to supervise comes in. I love how all this nonsense comes in. But it always stops the buck. It stops. It never gets its way all the way up to the top for some reason, right? Like, if, if I'm a sergeant and, my, and I did something stupid with one of my guys and my lieutenant, who wasn't even on the scene – get to fail to supervise, then why didn't the CEO, why didn't the borough commander, why didn't the chief of patrol, why didn't the chief of department, right? Like, why is it stopped with, with just the low ranks? You know, we we hold the people who actually do the work, the people who matter. You guys are the stone. You guys are the builder stone, right? You're the stone of, you're the foundation of this job, right? The NYPD is the builder, you're the builder stone, every single one of you. You're the people that matter. You're the people that make this house stand, right? But the builder, what we're seeing, who's the upper echelon in the NYPD, is not held accountable at all for any of the decisions you make. And here you are holding this house up. Here you are. And anything that goes wrong, it's your fault. And you're going to be held to this impossible standard and be found guilty of. And the disciplinary matrix is really in my eyes is bullshit just from reading this and 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 thinking of sal greco's story and relating it to the things that are going on like i put a post out today and i saw a post from uh lieutenant edwin raymond and he had some rapper that he was standing with and the rapper has an extensive history of guns and drugs right being arrested for guns and drugs and i'm not blaming edwin raymond for any of this i'm not you know i do believe he is held to a totally different standard than i would be held to if i if i uh if i went and filmed a documentary if i started cops for tebow if i did any of these other things i would have been fired if i were to go on hot 97 and identify myself as a member of service i truly believe i would be fired you know, I believe he is held to a totally different standard, but I'm not faulting him for this. But this is what it is. He's out and he's hanging out with people who have who were partaking in criminal history, who have criminal histories, who've been convicted of criminal histories. And the NYPD is applauding him for it. And they're putting him out on their Twitter and everything else. You know, and here he is with these rappers and these actors, and it's fine, and we're going to applaud him. But Sal does the same exact thing with Roger Stone, and he gets terminated. So it, so the penalties aren't the same, and the standards aren't the same. We still have bias. This document did not eliminate it. And I, I'm sorry to get off track with that, but it's just when, I, when I'm reading it, like, that's – that's it's just a glaring thing to me. Like when we're sitting here and saying if discipline isn't equal, it's discriminatory. Well, discipline's not equal. You know, we're holding people at different standards. I, I don't think you're off talking at all. I think that there's 
you're actually, everything you're saying is 100% right because the message in this document, and actually there's an excerpt there written by Shay, it actually talks about how this is supposed to be a fair document. But I think this document was so progressive that it's actually re regressive because in, in Sal Greco's case, he was actually discriminated against because they were able to weaponize and utilize this document to have him terminated. So this document, that's the problem. This document can be manipulated in a manner to utilize in any way they see fit. Because easy, something could happen. Let's say, for instance, let's say Richard Shea. <laughs> I ain't bringing him up. This poor guy, I don't even know him. But unfortunately, he is the topic of the discussion. If Richard Shea goes and mows someone down right now and gets into a bad car accident, and he's Dewey. Now, the, presum the presumptive penalty, I think, is termination. But he's going to have probably many mitigating factors. Can we agree? They're going to come up with mitigating factors to have him so he can keep his job. Well, well, everything's up to right? everything's up to the person that's deciding the, the factor. So, like, I'm just going to give you a, an example of a potential aggravating factor: inappropriate purpose or motivation, such as the use of force to punish, retaliate, coerce, or harass a subject. Who the fuck is going to really know my motivation? Who's determining my motivation? You know, um, you know, I'm sorry, like, you know, I'm I like I, I, I you know, listen that we have some great investigators in the NYPD, but I mean nobody no, nobody's that good. Nobody's got, you know, who's determining what you know, like I said, retaliation. How are you determining retaliation? You know, I know you you were found guilty of a retaliatory summons. Chris Messina, who we just had on, was found guilty of a retaliatory summons. And my and our our question that we still have today, police commissioner, is what the fuck is a retaliatory summons? It's great. I have no idea. Zero. And I'm sure you don't know it either. Like, you know what I mean? I'm sure she doesn't know either. Like, I don't anyone listening to this is like, well, what's you you committed a crime and I gave you a summons. So what was retaliatory about it? If you banged my girlfriend and I said, oh, you banged my girlfriend, I'm giving you the summons. OK, then maybe that's a retaliatory summons and you could find that. But 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 a he said, she said with someone who I issued a summons to or I arrested who's now trying to discredit me. I mean, you're finding me as a retaliatory, a retaliatory of what the crime they committed. You know, so, I mean, everything's up to interpretation. And like you said, if they want to mitigate it down, they'll find it's up to interpretation. So you could say, yes. oh, well, you know, his intention wasn't that. His intention <laughs> yeah. wasn't that. That was not his intention, even though the guy banged his girlfriend and he told him that I'm giving you the summons because you banged my girlfriend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, yeah. it's, everything's up to interpretation. So it's 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 still not. The document is has been weaponized by CCRB, and it will 100% be weaponized by the job, and it has. And it has for political gain. And listen, I know you guys think that cops are stupid, but we're not. You know what I mean? With, with some of the most eye-open individuals there are walking the face of this earth, we have a very high level of of what we see we look at things from a top-down level we go to a protest whether we agree with the protesters or not we're looking at all sides of the argument and we're staying there to protect everybody 
to, and to have make sure everyone goes home safe that night, including ourselves, and to protect your rights to protest or your right to counter protest. You know, I, I whatever it is, and whether we agree with one side or the other, we're not getting involved. So, I mean, we're getting it from both ends too. Whether I agree with you or not, you're gonna call me a fucking Nazi. Whether I, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm a fucking whatever. Like, you know, and like we we have truly wide eyes wide open and when things don't make sense they don't make sense and we're seeing them now that the disciplinary matrix truly doesn't make sense and it has been weaponized so you know i mean that's that's the big thing aggravating and mitigating factors i agree with you they should take them they should take them right out and even and, and even yeah what did i say it was it's uh it's the mitigative the presumptive and and aggravated, all that stuff should come out. It should you it, cases should be handled on a case by case basis. That is it. And, and, and you know, it, the, the problem with this, I think, is it allows too much room for bias, nepotism, which is all the things that we've been talking about that, that are really killing morale and hurting the police department. Because the bias that was used against Sal Greco was to tip the scale to have him terminated. But easily, with the right nepotism, Sal Greco could have had his case mitigated. He could have had a five-day hit. So a that's, CD? That's, yeah, a CD. It's, it's Which is most people who are found guilty of criminal association are given a, a command discipline. And most people that that go on TV like and, and we promote it as a department and we're sitting there with known criminals who are still active in drugs and guns in the trade, <laughs> whether they're rappers or not. You don't even get you don't even get the charge. You'll say, "Oh, well, it's part of his duty as a police officer." I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm, and, and I'm not singling out Edwin Raymond. I'm I'm talking overall. This is this is the system we've created because one's benefiting benefiting from it. It's not his fault. It's you know, but it's the it's it's you've made you've made that that the distinction between people and between you know if you're on the left you're fine if you're on the right you're you're a right-wing extremist terrorist and all this other stuff so you know i mean and 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 again this document came in under the pretense not to stop crime not to make our community safer not to make our police department better it came on the pretense that we are want to reduce summonses, we want to reduce arrests, and we want to reduce stops. And this document does exactly that. It's vision 100%. zero. It's vision zero. 100%. It's vision zero. The cops don't see anything because if they do, they're going to get fired. Don't you think? I, I think that you're held to a three-year period for your discipline that could be a, an aggravating factor against you. So, for instance, let's talk about the retaliatory summons. Let's say, for instance, you're a summons guy. That's your job. You're one of these traffic cops, and you write 10, 15 summonses a day. Your job is to hit these traffic-prone locations to try to curb these accidents that happen. And let's say, for instance, it's 2022, and you wrote someone a summons, and Civilian Complaint Review Board says that was a retaliatory summons. Now, a year goes by and you get another civilian complaint and they substantiate it for retaliatory summons. That's when the three-year period, guess what? You have aggravating factors. So if normally 
it was it would be substantiated. Let's say for a command discipline, you're not getting command discipline. You're getting charges because you have aggravating factors. Is that is that cop going to continue to write summonses to curb accidents in a in a traffic prone location? If he or she is smart, absolutely not. They're gonna say, "Why am I doing this? I'm held to a three year period. I have to, have to wait three years till my record is completely clear. I have a clean slate." Just like the felons that you talked about, they're going to get a clean slate. But you're going to take you're going to need three years to have a clean slate. So if you do get a substantiated civilian complaint, you don't have aggravating factors. Yeah, I mean, I, I like again, it's it's the, the 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 stretches we make in here. You could take anything from a CD determination like this. Anything. Bingo. Bingo. Anything. Anything. One hundred percent. Anything in here from the lowest, from the lowest charge, all the way up, and and and, I'll, and and again, most of this is open for interpretation. You know, failure or refusal to obtain medical assistance, either intentional or reckless, or reckless, e.g., for example, or an injury or an illness is readily apparent or visible. So. I mean, it's open again. It's open to interpretation. Injury or illness? What do you mean? The guy was coughing. Is he ill? He had the <laughs> sniffles. Is he ill? And he said, "I refuse to get a medical attention." And guess what? I just happen to be Eric Dim, and I happen to have a hundred something allegations against me. And CCRB just happens to have it out for me. You know, maybe. You know, so. You know, what what are we gonna do here? Here's your penalties for this, right? Here's your penalties if you get. First penalty, you got mitigating factors, uh, 20 penalty days, right? You have aggravating factors, 30 penalties plus 30 penalty days plus dismissal probation. You have uh, what's 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 the other one? Uh, an aggravated penalty, um, termination. <laughs> well, so because someone said that you didn't get them, you didn't get the medical attention, and. Oh well, you could see I had a black eye, or I had something in the in in the prisoner arraignment photo. You know, um, all this stuff leaves me like when I read this, and I'm not even on the job anymore. And I read this, and I'm like, and I just flash back to all my calls, and I'm like, holy shit, holy shit! This every situation that you, I arrested someone, and and I'll I'll be honest, I I personally think you know. I did everything by the book. I really did. You know, I don't. I don't think I could follow this book, and I think I'm going to get slammed by this book for no reason for doing my job and treating my prisoners with respect and the community with respect. You know, this this makes my stomach turn reading this. I'm like, this makes me not want to make an arrest, and I'm not but even. It, it, it's laughable, but in this case, let's say, for instance, the, what was the automatic penalty for that? The presumptive penalty, which is automatically twenty if you, days. If you was that? 20 days. 20 days. So, but I say to myself, let's say, for instance, okay, you didn't recognize someone's illness or injury. What could be a mitigating factor? That the black guy was light? You could barely see it? What? They, you thought his limp was him trying to be cool? I mean, what could be a mitigating factor? That's the problem. You say, yeah. yeah, you could make anything a mitigating factor. They say here, physical actions taken by the subject. The duration of the action was it relatively brief or, or uh, momentary? Immediacy and duration of the credible threat or harm to the subject, whether the subject engaged in resistance, 
actual injury, the member of service, or other civilians. Um, proportionality of force used. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was hit with. That's exactly know? what I was. I, that was the mitigating factor that he was violent resisting, but at the time I, I repeatedly struck the uh, perpetrator to the face because one of my cops was underneath him and he was trying to bite him. So they said I threw too many punches. And if I wanted to get the cop out underneath him, that wasn't a way to achieve that goal. So instead of losing 20 days, I lost 10 because the mitigating factor was he was violently trying to bite the cop. So I should have, I don't know. I, I hope, please, one of those CCRB investigators that have these magic powers, can you please show me how to get someone off my cop who's trying to bite them other than by deploying strikes? Would you like me to hit him over the head with a baton? What would you like me to do? I, I, I don't know. But again, uh, again, I'm like, again, I'm, 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 I'm gonna sit here and yes, CCRB is out to get cops. They are out to fucking substantiate people and say we substantiated this and we took away this from because we're keeping you safe from the police department because they, they, I mean, they've said it over and over again. They truly believe that they're keeping you safe. They're keeping the the public safe from us, which is is insane. But this is this is New York City today, but. This is very easily weaponized by IEB when you're in the middle of a political hit job, which, you know, I know Sal Greco's was a real political hit job because it involved Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, and everyone hates Trump. So everyone around Trump, you're a criminal. You're the worst type of individual there ever was, right? Criminals could be rehabilitated. You, for being around Donald Trump, could never. So <laughs> his was a true political hit job. But when I'm talking about political hit job, I'm talking about you get your the incident that you're involved in. You respond to a 911 call or you affect arrest because you're doing your job, what you were asked to do, what we, we told you to do, what we trained you to do. You go out there and do your job that day, and that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, becomes newsworthy. And now you have these leftist wackos in city council that your CEO <laughs> – is blowing them to try to get deputy inspector, inspector, or chief. He's like, (laughs) right. I don't care. You hate the police. Yeah. You hate the police. Right. You know, um, I get it. We're all evil. Right. Like, so now you have your CEO buttoning up to them. And meanwhile, it gets in the news and now they're all blasting you and you're going through the news cycle and your incident is just getting played on New York one Errol Lewis has given you the whole rundown. He's a great guy, great police expert. Everybody's everybody's giving you the rundown. Everybody's a police expert for the next three days. And that now goes to IAB. The police commissioner is going to get a call from the mayor. The mayor is going to say, I want that fucking guy suspended. The police commissioner is going to call the chief of internal affairs or the commissioner of internal affairs or whatever the fuck you got now and say, I want that guy suspended. And then the commissioner is going to call the group CEO and say, I want that fucking guy suspended. And you might have done nothing fucking wrong. But guess what? They are going to take those presumptive penalties. They're going to take those mitigating factors. You're not going to have any mitigating factors. You're only going to have aggravating factors. And they're going to spin it whatever way they want. And they can. And that's where this is scary. And that's where what this was set up to do. Again, this was set up to deter proactive policing. This was set up to throw you under the bus. 
when the job needs to throw you under the bus. The 15,000-page document called the Patrol Guide, which is already set up to put all of it onto you. Do you remember when they were, when they were going through, when Shea kept saying, we're giving our cops discretion. We're giving our cops discretion. You know what that really meant? We're not going to fucking train them on anything because we don't want to be held liable because these these scenarios are too fluid and they happen too quick. So we're not even going to get involved in training them anymore. And we're going to give them discretion so I could just blame fucking Eric Dim anytime it went wrong. And in that press conference that I shared, if you listen to that, listen to the listen to the disciplinary matrix press conference when he comes out and he announces it. He talks about the great training that he gave. I haven't had fucking good training in this year in this job for fucking 10 years. I don't know what training it was. I mean, we went through the ABLE training. You know, I, I, we never went on the diversity, equity, inclusion, or the fucking uh, the, the bias training, and we'll get into that one day. But those are the only in-person trainings I got, trainings that they were telling me what was on the inner fucking workings of my brain. But they can't tell me, but they could never tell me, how do I take Eric Garner down to the ground? How do I do it? Well, there's zero training for the disciplinary matrix. There was no form of, of training. There wasn't a class. There wasn't any training to understand the disciplinary matrix. And obviously, it was done on purpose, so the cops have no idea what's going on. But I'm so happy that you brought that up. I think it was used to, de- to deter policing. Because it's actually, I mean, so the disciplinary matrix is, it has specific things that are written out in it, specific policies that if they're violated, then, of course, it goes to other because you can't uh, list everyone. But what's in there? Do you have it right in front of you? Unauthorized stops, a presumptive. Just so, if you stop someone and they find that as the civilian complainer you board finds that your stop was unjust, that that's going to be weaponized against you. And obviously, within a three-year period, if you're an active police officer, let's say you're doing anti-crime or public safety or neighborhood safety teams, and you're out there interacting and you're trying to stop people, preventing them. From committing a crime, if civilian complaint review board finds you guilty, you're not going to do any other stops because if you do within a three year period, you're getting aggravated factors, you're going to have charges. I, I, what's the presumptive penalty? You have it? I think it's uh, three days. So, so stop of uh, stop question or improper stop and question or improper question of a person. That's it. Yeah. Um. So the mitigated penalty is training. The presumptive penalty is three days. And the, days, aggra- right? the aggravated penalty is 15. 15. But, that's for, but that's for the first time. Correct. That's the first incident. So it, what exactly. happens? So what happens now? This is his <laughs> third one. This is his third one because he's an active cop and he wants to get on the whatever team that whatever they call the anti crime team now. The the public safety. Team. Whatever. Neighborhood safety. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to change the name after this one too. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was neighborhood safety. Now it's it's something else. I don't know. Whatever they keep changing the name. It's anti crime. Whatever the anti crime is. So now the kids, the anti the kids an anti crime cop, and and now he's he's out there stopping people. And this is the third one in a month because he 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 works in a shooting prone location, and he's going after guys who shoot people. So, you know, and, and by the way, they all have lawyers and they file CCRBs every fucking time they get arrested. And every time they arrest, every time they arrest somebody, they res- every time this kid goes to arrest someone, the perpetrator resists arrest. You know why? Not because the kid is heavy handed, because the neighborhood he works in is the majority of people are combative with the police. 
why that is, we could go into that for days. I could do a whole podcast on that. But I'm not going to get into that now. But there are commands in this city where crime is much higher than in other commands. And it's not even fair to judge. Like I worked in the one, two, three. How could you judge my me? You take John McCarry's record and say, oh, well, look, look. This guy has X amount of CCRBs on his stops when the majority of people I arrest don't even file CCRBs. And then you take a kid in the 7-3 or in PSA 2 or in PSA 8, and you're going to hold him to the same standard you're holding me to? And, and everyone, that, everyone that he arrests files CCRB. CCRB has tents set up in his fucking community saying, you want to file CCRB against cops? You know, and that's what's going on. You know? and, 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 and they're interacting with more violent criminals. And, and and the stops are more violent. So here he is. This is his third stop. He just stopped. It's just an improper question. I don't fucking like Eric Dim because he got fucking 100 guns off the street this year. And so we all file complaints against him because that's what their lawyer is telling them. Pepper this fucking guy up and he's going to back off you and you can do whatever you want. What, what happens to him now, Eric? Oh, that's exactly. You know, that's exactly what happens. And, and that cop's going to back off unless... And here's the problem, though. And, and, and I hope the cops that are listening to this, the active police officers out there, that they might think, hey, well, this, you know what? Unfortunately, sometimes what we see is, ah, it happened to this guy, but it won't happen to me. Because you might be in a position where you're stopping people, you're constantly making arrests, and you and you haven't actually got any substantiated complaints. But CCLB weaponized it, and they do this on purpose. And they did it in my case. They have 18 months to investigate and dispose of a case from the time of the incident. So if you have an arrest, let's say you have an arrest today, CCRB has 18 months from today to investigate it and actually close it out. And so what happens is during that 18-month time, if you get other complaints, they will wait till the end of the 18 months for those complaints, and they will pile them on together. And that's what Lou Turco was talking about, the algorithm, so that they can give you charges. Those are your aggravated factors. Instead of asking for 20 days, they're going to ask for termination. Look, he's got, he stopped someone on January 1st. We felt it was unjust. He stopped someone April 1st. We felt it was unjust. He stopped someone June 1st. He's got three cases. And now you're at the 18-month mark for, for one of them. And the other ones, and the other two are at, let's say, 15 months, but they hit you all three in the same day. And now you're getting charged at CCLB's gas determination because you have a great practice. Are you want, do you want to go out there and stop people? So you have to ask yourself if, if you're getting complaints. And what happens sometimes also, and, and cops need to be weary of this, so sometimes a lawyer, an attorney, will advise their client, which is the perpetrator, to make a civilian complaint. And this is actually strategy. It's done on purpose. So they make the complaint, but then the cop will see two, three months down the road that the complaint will be closed pending litigation. And that's a strategy, for instance. Let's say they have a, a person of interest who's violent. Um, and it's in many cases, they'll close it pending litigation. So now they have on record that a CCLB was filed, but they're not going to go further with the investigation because the attorney knows that their client was completely wrong. They don't want CCRB to pull up the evidence, and they also don't want the intake report that this particular perpetrator made to the civilian complaint to be used in a lawsuit because they might have said stuff that was uh, maybe off the wall. So they don't want to use it in the case, but it's closed pending litigation. So you still have the CCRB, and they're going to use that at the lawsuit. Hey, hey, he made a civilian complaint. 
but he didn't want to pursue it because of this lawsuit. But it's still on your record that you have a complaint. So the cops seem to understand that also. And then what happens sometimes is if they win in that lawsuit, now if the 18 months hasn't been completed, they'll go and reopen that case for that particular civilian complaint. So they have to understand that. So the cops have to understand. And sometimes what they'll do is they won't make a complaint at all. Or they'll make the complaint, they'll let the complaint uh, play itself out. And when the 18 months hits, if you're substantiated, then they'll go make a lawsuit because the per perpetrator has three years to make a federal lawsuit. So if you're found guilty, then the attorney will find the uh, will represent them and they know that you're not going to be indemnified because the job is going to say, well, you were found guilty by CCLB, so we're not going to indemnify. So the cops really have to understand there's so many different angles that the Civilian Complaint Review Board can play with, with this stuff against them. But go, particularly right now, we're talking about the disciplinary matrix. It really is scary how they can weaponize it any way you said. You said it best. The, the first time you're a lieutenant with 15 years on the job and you stop someone unjust, Immediately right there, they CCLB can say, you know what? Days your aggravated factors, 15 days. Two weeks later, you do it again. And what they feel is unjust. Another, so now CCLB is to say, look, all these are aggravated factors. We want this lieutenant terminated. Yeah, and it's it's insane. So listen, I, 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 I listen, I agree with you. I think a commissioner, if you listen to it, that's get rid of the shit. Get it off of paper. <laughs> take it as it is. Let CCRB investigate it if something's bad let them spell out what's aggravating and why they're coming to their thing don't let them just go off this document and sway it into into how the words are written let them write their own words and if something is truly aggravating it is what it is me and eric aren't saying that oh someone beats the shit out of somebody for no reason that they that they shouldn't be fired or they shouldn't get a, a fucking 30 days in a year people do dumb shit on this job but it's not the majority and to hold 99 percent to an impossible standard because again i'll tell you it again commissioner this was done to detract proactive policing. This was not built to keep the community safe. This was not built to make a better relationship with cops and community. This has nothing to do with that. So, I mean, that's the first thing, right? And now, like, I want to get into some of the actual the stuff that's written in here. That's that's ridiculous. And and one of them is is this. It's it's uh. Retaliatory action against another for making a civilian complaint. Okay? Retaliatory action against another for making civilian complaint. The mitigating the mitigating penalty? Twenty days. <laughs> the the presumptive penalty? Thirty days. The aggravated penalty? Forty days. So I and and the reason I just brought that up is because I just said something, right? I just said that they're gonna target Eric Dim, right? Because he's a proactive cop. Now I'm a cop on Eric Dim's team, right? And they know me too. They're like, oh, there's this new kid too. Watch out for the fucking ball kid too with the tattoos that wears the Jordans. Watch out for that kid too. So what's gonna happen is Eric's on vacation. And I lock up the kid that Eric locked up last week for having the gun, and I lock him up for a gun. He's going to say, I only locked him up because he filed a complaint against Eric. 
And now guess what I'm guilty of. <laughs> right? Guess what I'm guilty of. I was say, I, yeah. Dude, I'm so, I'm so happy that you just brought that one up because that's actually one of the that's actually one of the main topics I actually wanted to speak about. It's funny how we think we think alike. That is the worst one on there. That could be that could be weaponized anyway. A hundred percent the scenario that you gave is going to happen if it has not happened already. Hundred percent. It's been happening for thirty years. I mean, this has been happening to anti-crime guys, to gang guys, anyone that's in a neighborhood and targeting a specific crew. This has happened to. You know what I mean? They are trying to to CCRB the shit out of that team and I be the shit out of that team to deter them. And then we had a police commissioner say, "Yeah, I'm going to help you guys out." Hold on one second. So this way we could go after the guys that are pulling guns off the street. And listen, it's, it's you know, people are hating on me because I know a lot of people like Dermot Shea. Yeah, he's a nice guy. But he didn't exhibit leadership. And again, I said, he said something to me that shaped my whole supervisory career. I'm saying the truth. I'm saying what I believe. This was not This was not something that he was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good for the department. This was something where Bill de Blasio said, you're going to fucking do it. And he said... Okay, boss. Sounds good. That's what happened. That's it. You know? Um, so, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I, I mean, and that's exactly what it is. These should all go line by line. And, like, I think Eric, me and Eric were talking offline about this. And what Eric said is, I think that she's just going to go for the easy things. Like to fail to show the, uh, the right to know act or fail to show the business card. I mean, I'm going to say right there, if I give you my name and my shield number... Why do I got to write it on a piece of paper for you? But maybe I do. Maybe it could be if I don't have a, 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 a do I write my name on my shield and I give it to you. But even that, I say it's fucking ridiculous. Everybody has a phone. They know my name and my badge number. I give it to them. Why do I like? Why do I have to have these business cards? I mean, you know the department. It's a fucking mess. You barely you, like now that the, the now that all the forms are on on the computer, it's a little better. You know, maybe maybe we could send them a fucking. Give them a thing where they could tap the phone and I could give you my information or something. I don't know, but like you know how this job is. I mean, I it would be days I would have to first of all I would have to fucking stockpile narco envelopes in my fucking locker so that I would have narcotics envelopes so we made drug arrests, right? I did that from as a cop, a sergeant, right? Like you know, I mean like we're like, you know, and now oh this kid this guy forgot to order business cards or he ran out because we were at a parade and everyone wants a business card because Antifa's there and, and everyone's breaking the balls and using this to abuse the police officers in the street. Using it to abuse officer what's shield number? Officer what's shield number? You know, I mean, it's 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 literal abuse of the police department. It's it's, John, it's funny. It's funny you say that. I used to say that, and if you think about it, it's right. Working in a precinct, it's like being in jail because the stuff in in, in the precinct has more value in the precinct than it does outside in the real world, just like in, in jail. Because if you have narco envelopes in your office, like yeah. pe- like people, they'll basically pay you for it. Like, you have narco envelopes? I, I need one. I need one. Yeah. You got a pen? Guys can never find a pen. I need a pen. I mean, the pens were worth money. Narco envelopes were worth money. Private security envelopes were worth money. A peddler seal? Good luck getting a peddler seal. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? This stuff had value. I used to do the same thing. stockpile on my desk. Narco envelopes, peddler seals. Guys were like, yo, I heard you got, I heard you got narco envelopes. It was like a, this was like doing deals on the day. Like, yeah, I got narco envelopes. It was a big, it, it's so true. I'm so glad you brought that up. It really, I, the guys that are out there right now, if you still have those, those problems, let us know. It really was like jail. 
But guys would yeah. come downstairs like, dude, you have a, uh, does anybody have an evidence tape? Dude, was that, was the, honestly, they have find evidence tape. You ever oh, try yeah. to find, what about when we had North envelopes back in the day, you had to get glue? Go luck finding glue. <laughs> Nobody wanted to lick that yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, and then narcotics and gang will come in, they try to steal all of them, like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck out like, of here. got narco envelopes? I'm like, yeah, here's three. Get out of here. Like, you know. <laughs> It's like commissary. It was like giving you a jail. Like, somebody Suck wants it. a donut. That donut's worth a lot of money. <laughs> but yeah, but that's and you know I and and like you know if that's what we go after, just the little things, we really didn't do much. If that's what you know, if that's what changes, like these little <laughs> little stupid things. Um, can you read the strip search one? There's a reason why. I want to. Can you pull the, that one up about unauthorized strip search? Sure. It's uh. All right, so there's there's two strip searches, right? There's strip yeah. search procedural violation. So sh- strip search procedural violation, you violated something in the patrol guide. You didn't do it exactly per the T, per the patrol guide, whatever that may be. I don't, I, I haven't read it in a while. Um, but so, you know, whatever it may be, your supervisor wasn't there. You didn't go to the desk. I know the desk officer had to do it. I think they switched that to it could be your personal supervisor. It doesn't have your to be the desk yeah. your immediate supervisor. It doesn't have to be the desk officer anymore. So, so it could be something like that. Well, I, I did it without my supervisor there or something. Procedural violation, right? Um, so that one is going to be mitigated penalty, five days. Presumptive penalty, 10 days. Aggravated penalty, 20 days. Now we go strip search, unauthorized, unwarranted. And now I'm going to ask you what the fuck unauthorized, unwarranted is because I could say the same for both. What I just said, what I just said, you felt an immediate need to search this guy because he, you think he has a gun up his ass or whatever the fuck it is. He's got something. You're like, we got to get this fucking out right now. And your boss isn't there. I mean, again, I could say that that's unauthorized or unwarranted and here we go mitigated penalty 20 days um presumptive penalty 20 days plus dismissal probation so i'm sorry excuse me 20 suspension days 20 suspension you're suspended for 20 days that's the automatic penalty so so let's so let's just put that out there the presumptive penalty is the penalty that you're supposed to get Right. The mitigated penalty is, well, there was other factors involved, so they're going to go down. So if so, if the job's feeling nice that day and it's not a political hit job and you get some or your name's Richard Shea, you're going to get the, the, the mitigated penalty and it's going to go down to 20 days, 20 penalty days. If you get just on the face of it what it is, it's 20 suspension days plus dismissal probation for a right. year. Right. So you're suspended for 20 days. Plus, you get a year. So then, anything in that year, you get fired. At this at this rate, in this in this document, insane. And then aggravated penalty. You're a boss. You got 18 years on. Um, you've been involved in thousands of gun arrests, and you have a you have 20 CCRPs. Guess what your guess what your thing is. You're fucking terminated. terminated. You're terminated. Guess what? You're tier two. And Eric Adams is a fucking incompetent boob and running the city into the ground. 
Get rid of all those fucking tier two guys. Termination. That's scary. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because if you're if you're an active police officer, especially in one of these neighborhood safety teams, or if you're in doing public safety, or if you're in narcotics, particularly narcotics, they probably do the most strip searches because that's where people hide narcotics. They hide them in their crotch, they hide them in the ass. We used to call it the Bronx wallet. It came up in my civilian complaint. It came up at my trial. It's exactly what we used to call it. We used to call it the Bronx wallet so that the perps didn't know what we're talking about. We'd say, hey, does he got someone as Bronx wallet? Because we knew we got guns in people's ashes. We got credit cards, narcos. That's where people hit it. It's just a reality. And when we put someone in a cell, there's the cops that are in there. They don't have their firearms. They're going to a cell without a firearm. If someone has a firearm, that cop can get killed. So strip searches are necessary. But would you take that chance now? This could get cops hurt. Would you do a strip search? I'm going to tell you a crazy story. So as a delegate, we had learned that there was a lieutenant facing this charge from the civilian complaint. And this was when the disciplinary matrix just came out. And here's the scary part. So in the cells, there's, there's camera footage now. All the cells in the entire city have camera footage that's monitored by the inspections unit. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. You probably were because being working internal affairs. So I think it was Lieutenant Special Operations. I don't want to give his name, but they had brought a person that had to be strip searched. So obviously he was the boss that they were conducting the strip in front of. Uh, but before they decided to do the strip, the perp had already had his pants halfway down because that's how he wore it. It's the reality. I'm not making fun of, uh, of black and brown people, but that's how a lot of our perpetrators wear their pants. His pants were already hanging down. He had no belt, so they already were exposed below his underwear. So he was wearing his underwear. His pants were halfway down. So they decided we don't even have to conduct a strip. They patted him down right there. They didn't find the, find the firearm. But his pants were so low. CCRB hit him with an unauthorized strip because his underwear was exposed. And that, if you, I, I, you ask me, that means that almost every particular perpetrator that we arrest, we can get that violation for from CCRB. Because most of the perpetrators, especially in this era, that's the way they dress. They wear their pants low with their underwear exposed. I think it's the craziest thing. No, it, it's it, that's insanity. That's absolute insanity. The way someone dresses, you're now you're now doing a strip search just by the way they dress. So and then and then do that for a female that you arrest with a short skirt, right? Yes. Do that with a short skirt. You happen to you know, whatever. You arrest a boyfriend. She punches you in the face. Next thing you know, she's going with you guys, and she's got a short skirt on and she's dressed like a hoochie mama and she's got no underwear on or whatever. You didn't even do a strip search. You just arrested her, but you strip searched her based upon the way she was dressed. So again. These these termination ones that are in here, the penalties need to be wiped away, like we're saying. You know what I mean? Not, the penalties need to be wiped away because this is because they're seeking termination. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Enforcement action involving abuse of discretion or authority. <laughs> what is I that? that I, I'm so glad you brought that one up. Everyone that you're bringing up right now, the ones I wanted to bring up, because I read that a hundred times. I still don't even know what that means. I was hoping you would actually bring it down for me. I'm going to say I, it I, one I, more time. Enforcement action involving abuse of discretion or authority. So I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm so, I, 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 like, and, and, and Commissioner, I don't know if you've seen a lot of these, but I, just by reading this, I would think this is a catch-all that CCRB would use all the time because 
everything we do, an arrest or a summons, is stemming to a CCRB, and they're constantly hitting us with abuse of authority, right? Abuse of authority didn't show his his uh his uh his business card, didn't give us the business card. The lieutenant abuses authority because he didn't give the shield number that he doesn't have. He only gave his name and his tax. Right? Like abuse of authority, abuse of authority, fail that fail to give name and shield, right? So everything in here, everything you're charged with in here, this is like this could be you you could get rid of the whole matrix and just have this one charge. Enforcement action involving abuse of discretion. So anything that you do that you don't like, you could get this anything that you do work related could could possibly get this charge. I, I think the whole thing's oxymoron. I don't even it, it really is you have this it's just insane. This includes, and there's a little note here. This includes an enforcement action, such as an arrest or summons, for which there is a lawful basis. However, but for the officer's improper motive, enforcement action would not have been taken. What? Uh, what's the officer's improper motive? Who's determining motive? That's what I want to know. Like these people. They're not solving homicides yet. Like, let's get that. Let's get let's get that right out. This is some kid from the Midwest that moved here that has no idea about this city that was renting a room with one of his friends in Brooklyn. He's telling everybody he's from Brooklyn. He ain't from Brooklyn. You know, he's dressed like a billy goat. He's got a beard. He's got his sunglasses, his glasses, glasses. He's wearing his open toe shoes in the winter. All this stuff. Like, this is not. This is not. They're, these are not trained investigators. These are young kids that are coming here out of college and they're getting some they're getting some experience. The, like this, this is this is a catch-all. And then let's just get into it. A mitigative penalty where they say, you know, they want to be nice that day and say, oh, well, there were other factors involved is 10. The presumptive penalty is 20. 20 fucking, 20 fucking days for that. I mean, it's <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars. That's fucking time off your life. That's literally time off your life. That those 20 days taken from you, I could easily in police department years, they, they it could easily, easily take a year away from your life, if not more. If not Absolutely. more. That's four weeks of vacation that Free you're not getting. Four weeks of fucking vacation that you're not getting for some bullshit. Um and then, you know, the aggravated penalty, you're a lieutenant, you got 18 years on, you're you're out there locking people with guns or whatever, and you have a couple of CCRBs, or you're a detective, or whatever the case may be. Termination. <laughs> One time. One time. Should get ripped so, right out. Right off. Right kind, off. What kind of scenario? The only scenario I can think of that would probably play out for this, but I don't even see how you would get terminated. Correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> Maybe because of the body cameras, cop has someone stopped for urinating in public. He gets his identification and says, you know what? Listen, buddy, do me a favor. I know you got to go. Do me a favor. Use a bathroom. And then he gives the guy his ID back. And the guy goes, you know what? Fuck you. I hate the police. Suck my dick. So now the cop goes, you know what? Give me the ID and write him a ticket. That's the only thing I can think that that this just depicts or describes. Am I right, or you think it's something else? I, I again, I think it could you, anything you tell me right now that that's related, anything that's related to you doing enforcement action, or anything related to your job doesn't even have to be enforcement action. Anything related to being a police officer and you're interacting with someone, 
it, it falls in there. Anything you tell me and, and, and that thing. There's thousands of – you give me thousands of scenarios that they're all going to fit into that. So it's if I call someone over and he runs a red light ticket and I write him a summons, is that abuse of my discretion? Yeah, if 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 they if your motive, right. if the if the investigator decides your motive, what's my motive? You know, what your motive, motive is you know like crazy. Making the guy have a bad day. And and here's another one, right? They're talking about they're talking about right. They want to remove homeless off the street. And I, I gotta say, again, sometimes Eric Adams says things that are correct. He never does anything that's correct. <laughs> He never plans correctly, but in this scenario, what he says, I agree with. The way he implements, he's a fucking moron. He doesn't deserve a paycheck. Fucking, you know, like, tons of training needs to be involved, including with the CCRB. Um, Everybody's got to get involved in what's right and what's wrong. And I do believe, you know, listen, I have family. I have hundreds of cousins. I have family that are fucked up. I have people right now that are addicted to drugs and homeless on New York City streets. I do not want to see them die because I do believe these people have a disease. And right now, we're fucking failing these people. They have mental illness, you know, whether it's just due to their drug addiction or their schizo or whatever it is. I do not want to see people die on New York City streets. I do not believe being compassionate is walking by a fucking homeless guy who doesn't even know where he is and he thinks he's in fucking La La Land somewhere and giving him a dollar. That's not compassion to me so that he can go get heroin and fucking freeze to death tonight on New York City street. I don't think that that's compassion. I don't think that that's what we should be doing. I do believe we should be removing people to medical facilities when it's warranted, when they are a danger to themselves or others. And I think most people could do that. But every time you do that, every time you do that, and they file a CCRB on you, you're going to get hit with this charge. Removal to a medical facility without consent or a public health need. Person doesn't want to go. If they file a complaint on you, you remove without consent. Without. So mitigating factor, training, Presumptive penalty, three days. Aggravating penalty, five days. Right? First time. First time. So you're, doing, you're doing exactly what they tell you to do. You remove an EDP who's irrational, not make decisions for themselves. It's below zero, and you're actually looking for their for their own safety, but you remove them against their will, and you, you, you're a lieutenant, five days. That happens right. three times. We were ESU. You're requested to receive to help remove someone. You're getting five days. Yep. Um, deletion of information from a recording device. So, again, very wide open. My device, my personal phone, anything, could be anything. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Deletion of information from a recording device. Doesn't say it has to be intentional. Doesn't say anything. Deletion of information. Uh, mitigating, 20 days. Presumptive, <laughs> 30 penalty days plus dismissal of probation. Aggravating, termination. Can you go to, uh, I think this is really important. We need to highlight, and this is where CCRB is going right now, and they're intentionally leading officers to these statements, misleading and false statements. Cops need to understand that. They need to slow CCRB down when they interview them because they're intentionally leading them into these responses. And they're not, and they don't even know it that they're incriminating themselves. And CCRB's weaponizing. 
you're 100% right, and we've talked about that before, and I'm going to get into that, but I got to get, I just got to go through one more on this page. There's so many good. One more, I got to go, and then we'll, and then we'll go right to full statement, right? Offensive language. Oh, this is crazy. So everyone can see I curse a lot, right? And, and I curse a lot all the time. I don't mean anything by it. I don't mean to be vulgar. Um, it's just how I was raised. Um, I, my family always said, fuck, I I talk to my aunt. She's 80. She's like, these motherfuckers, (laughs) like, you know, it's just, it's just the way I, you know, I, I don't mean anything by it. I wish I didn't. I really hate listening to myself and hear the cursing. It just, it just comes out of me naturally, but offensive language in policing and on the street. I mean, it's just who I am. So you're, you're basically, if you're saying that people are being uh, using offensive language, which any language could be offensive. Any thought I say could be offensive. <clears throat> I call Eric a sir, and Eric feels that he's a woman. Offensive, right? Anything could be offensive. But cursing in a high-stress situation, right? Put the fucking gun down. Your adrenaline's flowing. Get over here. Put your fucking hands on top of your head. Uh, to me, that's a de-escalation. We've spoken about that before. So many other things in policing. I used to have people, and an older cop taught me this, when people would act like they didn't speak English. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying or whatever. They would just pretend they didn't know anything. And I would do, and all the cop taught me this. I'd whisper in their ear, and I would go, yo, you ever suck a grown man's dick before? And they would hyster- they would start hysterical laughing, right? And I was like, come on, bro, stop playing games. And then and then we would talk, right? Wasn't done out of fucking out of spite or out of hate or anything. Real human moment, you know, like we'd be like whatever. But so for offensive language, which could be used in a high stress situation, could be used to try to humanize yourself with a complainant, with a, a perpetrator, with a victim, right? You might not be doing it. It, it may or may not be vulgar to people because people say curse words all the time, you know, and people say offensive words all the time in society and rap music and all this stuff. So deep, like, and again, I'm going to say it again. Every word that comes out of my mouth is offensive to somebody. And that goes for everybody it goes for everybody. So, so mitigating, right? Job likes you that day. 10 penalty days. You use offensive language. You're on body camera, right? You're on body camera. So the CCRB now has the, the right to fucking start their own investigation. So they can just say, you know what? We want to check Eric Dim's body camera today. Let's check Eric Dim's because we're fucking targeting him. So up, oh, I heard Eric Dim say fuck. Um, there's a mitigating factor because the guy was holding a gun at him or whatever. They give Eric Dim 10 days. Presumptive penalty, 20 fucking vacation days. Four weeks of vacation gone because you said fuck. Right? Aggravated penalty, termination. Insane. Insane because offensive language. You know what? I'm glad you actually stopped me and said you got you to gotta read this one out. I forgot about this before we get to false statements. But anything could be interpreted as offensive language. Who's interpreting this? 
What if you just said you had a, you were moving a crowd? He said, "Buddy, hey, buddy, do me a favor, stand over here." And he didn't like to be called Buddy because that was the name of his stepfather that used to beat him. What's offensive language? I'm with you. It could be anything. Man, step over. I don't want to be called ma'am. I'm young. Son, come here. Son, I don't want to be called son. Boy, anything. Anything could be said on offense. I, 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 I think that's terrible. But just the fact, aggravating factors, termination, in the heat of the moment, though, you're, you're accountable. I remember I was found guilty for uh, discourtesy and offensive language. It was, I had a woman that was putting her in a car. We just arrested uh, somebody for a slashing. She was impeding our investigation. I put her in the car. I think I said this on a prior podcast. 40 times I was put in the car. She'll tell me, suck my dick, suck my dicks. And I think at 47 seconds, I was like, man, get the fuck in the car. And CCRB stuck the tape right there with the body camera and said, 47 seconds. Was that you? I said, yes, it was. And they played over and over. They never, and they, I said, what about the 40 times that she told me at 20 seconds, 23 seconds? To suck, to suck her dick. No, 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 no. They just kept going to when I say get the fuck in the car. Why? To put emphasis on it. It was a heated moment and the crowd was getting crazy. It's in housing. Anybody who worked in housing knows we can have two people and in 30 seconds we can have 200. All right? You work in someone's backyard, family members come out, friends, just people that want to see it. It becomes a circus show. There's people everywhere. I want to get this person in the car and get the fuck out of there. I don't even curse a lot, honestly. I really do. You know, it's just, just my nature. Um, I, I don't, but if I'm cursing, that means it's bad. Get the fuck in the car. I was, you know, I was putting emphasis on it. I was like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And CCOB hit me with the discourtesy and offensive language. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you, you, you like, and, and, and this one, I'm going to say, you know, they talk about like discrimination and they talk about not judging anyone. A lot of how you speak is, is part of your upbringing. Right. Like, you know, it's part of the neighborhood that you're in. Right. It's part of, you know, you, you, you develop your language and the way you speak from your upbringing, the society you were raised in, your uh, your eco- your socioeconomic background, um, your ethnic background, um, whatever it may be. All of these factors are in there. So. Again, what the what's offen- I mean, offensive to who? I mean, because, again. I say fuck all the time. You're not offended by it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my, my, my wife isn't offended by it. She's dead to it. But I'm sure at first she was like, oh, my God. Like, you have the worst mouth I ever heard in my life. You know? And I don't mean it. I just – I can't help it. Like, sometimes I'm talking and I just – I'm like, oh, shit. I'm, like, trying to be good. And I, I keep cursing. What about, what about offensive to the cops? I mean, I was told on a daily basis to suck everyone's dick. That's not – you know, but that's okay. They, I was told – this lady must have told me to suck her dick 40 times. I mean, at some point I was thinking, man, you know what? Do you really fucking have one? I mean, how many times? But you know what? I, I just I just got so comfortable with it. I used to actually make people laugh. Guys used to tell me all the time, yeah, fuck you, suck my dick. And I remember if they were with a girl, I'd be waiting for me. Hold on a minute. You were this fine girl, but you want me to suck your dick? They stop laughing. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. but, but a bunch of body cameras, you can't even talk like that anymore. No, Guys, I mean- you want to talk about de-escalation? Yeah, she showed me a so cool. That would be escalate all the time. Everyone would be laughing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I like, and and that's my point. It's not like I'm not saying that like, oh, cops should sit there and abuse you, like you fucking piece of shit. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying no. you use a curse word in the heat of the moment with your adrenaline flowing, or you use a curse word 
in a normal conversation without trying to belittle someone or to, like again like that's a perfect example what you just said like we get demeaned right and i wouldn't even go back i would never go back at that. i'm like all right yeah all right bro like you know like you know i laugh like what do you, what, you know but like the you know so the, it's it's just crazy that would you would go on a termination and then even if if someone did get hooked that day and 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 you know, I never really seen a cop snap out and just be like, "You're a fucking piece of shit." Blah, blah 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 blah. But even if it did happen, that's termination. That's ridiculous. That's termination because he cursed at the guy that was cursing at him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're human too. We're not human. I mean, like, oh, the cop cursed at him. That's like, all right, you know, okay, and this guy's getting fired for it. I. Uh- I mean, I think I think the CCRB investigators clearly have no understanding. They've never spent a day in the volatile neighborhoods of New York City or any neighborhood of New York City doing police work where you have crowds of people, you have so many factors going on, and it's easily it's easy to to curse or to get excited. I mean, your safety's online. So many factors going on, and sometimes cursing puts emphasis on. I don't curse a lot, but I can agree that it, it does help. When you're in a volatile situation, curse, you put emphasis on it. You know, it gets the blood flowing. It makes you feel stronger. Um, they clearly don't understand. I think you put some of these CCRB investigators in a volatile situation. I think they'll be, they're they going to have diarrhea in the mouth because they're going to be so freaking scared. But, I mean, uh, I, I don't say- even think they would do it. And I always say about the critics, I say, I, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to write a summons. And you don't have to arrest anyone. The only thing you got to do. Is walk over to those five guys over there that are drinking and smoking pot and just tell them they can't stand that. <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing you gotta do. I'll watch from here. I'll watch from here. I'll let you out, and you just go tell those guys right there they can't stand here. Just do that. Let's see how that works out for you. And then they're gonna be. And you know what? When you're across the street watching, they're gonna be like, John, can you come help? Yeah. I need help. And I'm going to be like, guys, do me a favor. Get the fuck out of here. All right, thanks. See you later. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Eric, he told me to suck his dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did? <laughs> but, but, so, so I just wanted to highlight that one. But, like, let's get into the false misleading statements because I think this is a big one, and I think this is holds true for IAB as well as CCLB. Um, so... A statement is false or misleading when the investigator determines that the charge is proven by a preponderance of the evidence, including credible witness testimony. All examples provided are for illustrative purposes only and are not exhaustive. Each case is weighed on its own merit after a strong fact-based analysis to determine the appropriate charges. So I just want to say something on this. Sal Greco was charged with this. The NYPD said they, they hit him with a charge that does not exist. And the charge was uncompensated security. Right? And again, Commissioner, I tweeted at you. I'm sure you've seen it. What is uncompensated security? I went out to dinner with my wife and family. Did I do uncompensated security? I drove my child to school. Did I do uncompensated security? I am friends with some media and sports personalities. I went out to Christmas drinks last night with them. Um, M, did I do uncompensated security if I was still employed by you? 
Um, how could we not have friends in the police department? So I don't know. I mean, and then did Edwin Raymond do uncompensated security with the rapper last night in Times Square? Right? Like, did it? Did he do it with Michael K. White when he was hanging out with him? Did he do like that? That is that is an absolute ridiculous charge. So. Because there were no finances involved, and they said, well, all right, he obviously wasn't doing paid security for Roger Stone, so he's doing uncompensated security. So we drum up a charge on Sal Greco and say uncompensated security. And he, and Sal says, I didn't do that. He gets charged with false misleading statements, right? So it's a bunch of bullshit. Eric, you turn your camera completely around, turn it turn it. Yeah, there you go. You're good. Um, so, and then, and then, to Eric's point, CCRB now is hitting guys for false misleading statements in the same way that Sal Greco was hit, you know, and and some of their questioning, like he said, is meant to elicit a false statement. Whether it's relevant to what the complainant said or not, um, I was the CEO of CCRB liaison. I, I used to go down to CCRB. I was only in for about a year, but you know, I, I I really did. I really tried to like teach these guys. I really fought the fight. I you know, my name went right to the top a bunch of times because I I didn't back down. Um, <laughs> and you know, it it. I went there, and I went there with another guy who was a, a career cop. He actually had more time than me. He was a good guy. He was a crime cop. He was a, a borough crime sergeant, and he like he he gave the real training. and he, And what he said is, he said, "You shouldn't be looking. You shouldn't be looking to hit someone with a false or misleading statement. You should be looking for the truth. Your questions should be pointed to for." To prove or disprove the allegations, you shouldn't be fishing to see if somebody is is going to be honest about another irrelevant topic. You know, like, oh, if I said that Eric was on my right when he was really on my left, um, because that's how I remember it in my head. I just remembered Eric on my right. But actually, in all reality, we come up with a video disproving that. No, the video, look, the video clearly shows Eric was on your left, but yet you said, you said it was on your right. Yeah, but well, that's how I remember it. False misleading statement, right? So he said, so he said, you know, we don't do that. And IAB, we don't do that. Although it was done to Sal Greco. So, you know, sometimes they do do it. But what he said, to truly investigate a case, you have to be looking for the truth. You shouldn't be looking... He was like, "You, what you guys are doing is is reverse investigating. You're finding someone guilty, and then you're trying to get the gotcha. Ah, oh, gotcha. False misleading statement. And he's like, and that's not right. And the room erupted with the investigators. And one, I'll never forget what one of the investigators said. He said, we have a moral obligation to see if the cop is honest. And if he's lying about little things, that means he's lying about everything. And I'll never forget that as long I was like, this kid is a fucking idiot. I was like, you know, and, you know, we, we walked out, we were laughing about it, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's what's going on. 
they're they're throwing things out there that they already know the answer to you to and they're trying to have you say the wrong thing about it and they'll find a misleading statement on it whether it's relevant or not and 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 minute as what i'm saying eric was on my left but he was really on my right or i was on the scene first and he was on the scene so you really got to be careful in what you say and i and i spoke on it before and i said answer just the question you were asked and that's it oh dude you're 100 right i always give this example for any of my cops out there right now, if you have a CCRB investigation that you're headed for, for GO15, for my cops, you know what that is. But for my, uh, for my viewers here, if you're not a cop, what GO15 is, it's an investigation internally within the police department where it's going to be a tape recording and the actual investigation is going to be recorded. So a little training tip that I always give is this, please. If you were asked, if the question is, do you have the time? The answer is yes or no. And what I mean by that, you either have it or you don't. So the answer should not be, yes, it's nine o'clock. If the investigator or the person asking the question wants to know what time it is, they need a follow-up question. That means the first question would be, do you have the time? The answer is yes. Now, let them ask you, what time is it? If they ask you, what time is it? Now you can say, it's nine o'clock. So... I'm sorry. You're going to say according to my watch. According to my watch. Yeah. According to my watch that I haven't calibrated, it's nine o'clock. Bingo, 100%. That goes for CCRB and GO15 or also a deposition that you, you sit down for. And a deposition, you got to be really careful of this, there, these things to be held up to six hours. But I, I will say, in particular, there was a sergeant I worked with for a long time. Uh, she was great. We actually had a case where a person was stopped, there was a summons written, and she was actually charged with misleading statements. And it was crazy because the first interaction that we had with this particular person of interest, we were actually dealing with three other robbery suspects. And this other person of interest had approached us and started to uh, instigate and antagonize the sergeant. Eventually he had, to, he had to be removed and a summons was written. But in her initial statement, she said that she first saw him in the street. And actually, the first time we saw him, he was on the sidewalk. That was the big lie, because that was what was her memory. The reason why she said in the street is because we were dealing with three initial suspects for a potential robbery who were in the street. So she just confused the situation. But the context, the meat of it, what was important, should have been what's subject to a lie. The fact that this particular perpetrator was instigating was antagonizing the sergeant, put his phone in her face. It shouldn't matter whether she first saw him in the street or in the sidewalk. I mean, I mean, I think we're really, really completely unfair. She was charged with misleading statements and she had to go for an internal investigation with IAB. And obviously they dismissed the case after interviewing her. It was the most ridiculous thing. That is not a lie. You know, the way we remember things in situations where there's fear on the line, these things get distorted, and I think it's completely unfair that CCLB does that. And, uh, John, I really like your scenario. We should challenge CCLB investigators. Just walk to the corner, ask a couple of guys, uh, can you move? And then 30 days later, let's call them and ask them how to remember. Where did you first see them? What were they wearing? What were they standing? How far were they from you? All you're going to remember is the sphincter in your ass of how tight it was. That's all you're going to remember.
Yeah, you're going to remember the wind hitting your face on that cold night, walking down the block and wishing you worked out a little more, wishing that you didn't move to New York City, wishing you were still walking over at the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina and fucking away at college listening to your professor, your Marxist professor, telling you how evil the police were, where it was nice and safe as you were sipping your latte instead of... Doing this right now, wearing a New York City Police Department uniform. And... <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I want to do this. Now that you said this, I just want one day, maybe we could pick up a CCLB guy and say, listen, we got a challenge for you. If you survive this challenge, I'll give you 500 bucks. We'll drop them off. I'll drop them off on the corner of Webster Avenue and, and 169th Street. And I'll tell them, do me a favor. Approach those fine gentlemen at the store, the one that gate that's that's down right now, that's closed, but they're hanging out in front anyway. Ask those gentlemen, can you move? I'll be across the street. Let me know how it works out. Yeah. I'll be we, we just got a complaint from the upstairs neighbor, and he says they're being loud and they're drinking the smoking pot in front of the house and he can't sleep. So you're doing your duty. Hey, you uh, gonna... If you want, I'll take your wallet, I'll take all your contents so that they don't take it from you. I'll hold on to it. <laughs> Um, so a misleading statement, dude, is a statement that is intended to misdirect the fact finder and material alter the narrative by intentionally omitting a, a material fact. Now, I don't know how, again, I don't know what investigator, I don't, you could take the best investigator in the world. I don't know how he's going to know my intention, whether I truly forgot it or anything, but whatever, intentionally omitting, right? Making repeated claims of I do not remember or I do not know when a reasonable person under similar circumstances would recall or would have been aware of such material facts. Now, I'm going to tell you about a scenario. There was this cop and he was under federal investigation. He was on a wiretap, but the feds were listening to him for years. Obviously, he's friends with a lot of other cops, right? So he's made numerous calls. Throughout the years, he's under federal investigation. So I'm not saying to do this, but I'm just going to give you the scenario. This older cop comes in. He's no longer on the job. I'm not going to use his name. And he gets geoed now. And they say to him in the geo, IB geos him. Um, they get the Fed tapes. Um, the Feds are legally wiretapped because they're supposed to shut off and do all those things. But they just taped everything and they had everything. And, you know, they even when the conversation wasn't relevant, they were still taping it. It didn't matter. You know, so they didn't even adhere by the law. But whatever. So IB now has this tape and they're playing it now. And they bring the guy in. They said, did you speak with the guy, the other cop? It was three years ago. And he goes, I don't know. I don't remember. He goes, did you, who would you speak with on, on that day to the investigator? So the investigator goes, I'm asking you a fucking question. Did you speak to the guy that day? He goes, well, I'm telling you, I don't know. Do you remember who you spoke to three years ago at 12 o'clock? Because I don't fucking remember. And they, and they were threatening him saying, Basically, if we're going to hit you with false or misleading statements, he's like, "If so you want, do you want me to drum up in my head right now the conversation that I had three years ago at 12 o'clock in the afternoon when I don't fucking remember so you could hit me with false or misleading statements anyway? You have the fucking tape there. Play it for me so we could listen to it. I don't remember what I said, you know, so and and. 
they didn't hit him with the false or misleading statements. They hit him with a bunch of other shit, and he almost got suspended from it. But uh, I mean, I th- I always thought that was like a, a very good scenario because he was a hundred percent right. They were trying to elicit a response from him, and he truly didn't remember. And 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 no reasonable person in that situation could say, "Oh, I remember the conversation I had on April twentieth, uh, two thousand and nineteen, at twelve o'clock in the afternoon with a guy who I spoke to a hundred times." I don't remember which fucking conversation I had with what. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Um, so he was like, I don't know. You got the tape. Play the fucking tape. If I did something and they gave me a CD, I don't know. Like, you know, fucking hit me, whatever you're going to hit me with. You know? <laughs> um, and, and I and I think, like, and, and that's the thing a lot where guys get false or misleading statements. And I said this before in relation to CCRB. You want to make the investigator's job easier. So you're, like, trying to come up with something. But don't do that because that's a fucking false statement. You know, you don't know, like, you know, and, and at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, if they're going to say you misled them, I mean, at, at least in, at, you didn't intentionally lie, right? You're not guilty of anything. And you'll always know that in your heart. I didn't, I don't, I don't remember the fucking conversation. I don't remember it. I mean, I, there's a lot of things I don't remember. And, and I'll tell you right now, if you, if I went through all my arrests and you went with my partner that day, I guarantee fucking tea. We're going to have two different scenarios. There's going to be a basis of what happened, and we're both going to see things differently. So I, you know, I, I always had a big problem with these false or misleading statements. I really did. Um, you know, um, and let's see. Intentionally making a false or official statement, mitigated penalty, or separation. First time. <laughs> Presumptive penalty, termination. So if they're nice to you, they're going to tell you you could retire if you're eligible, or if you're not, you could resign so you won't be terminated. But, you know, if you're just your regular charge for intentionally making a false official statement, and I've seen a ton of these come down in CCRB, and I, I don't know what the fuck the job does. I mean, I know the job wasn't hitting them with it when I was there, the IB, like once the, what well, I don't know what's still going on, but when I was there, what would happen is CCRB would say, uh, Dim made a false official statement. So then it would go to IAB and IAB would investigate it. And 99.9% of the times IAB would say, Eric Dim did not make a false official statement, you know, and, 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 and they would, and they would get rid of it. You know what I mean? The charge would get rid of it, but it would always say on your CCRB, you made a false official statement. Now I don't know if that's still happening, but clearly, commission. If you look, it at, is. yeah, I'm sure it is. But clearly, commission. If you look at these and you listen to what they say and you read the case notes, you, you're going to be like, "What the fuck is this?" Literally, you're going to be guilty of offensive language in your head because it's it's ridiculous. You know, a lot of times, like the the you know, and and this is again, this is being done for them to prove their existence, to build their budget, right? No agency is ever going to admit they're defunct or they don't need anything. They're always going to want more, bigger budget, more power. So this is something that they're saying and they're trying to discredit a lot of times very good officers that really did not intentionally mean to do anything. They just need a little bit more training and interviews. Or just a little bit more experience in interviews and, you know, they're being sent into the wolf's den 
as sheep, and it's fucking wrong. And, yeah. and you know what? And the unions aren't aren't really preparing anybody well for this because they're the, you know the lawyers there that day. He's just concerned with who he's meeting for lunch. If it's the SBA, they send in one of the fucking trustees. The same deal. They're just going to meet for lunch, you know. Um, and you know, and same shit with the LBA, you know. Um, so I would, you know, it's 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 you know we're really we're really going after our, our guys, and then intentionally making a misleading. Or a false official statement, right? Intention, I, which is you know, I, I I don't know why how that's different from intentionally making false statement, but mitigating penalty, twenty penalty days. So if 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 the job's nice that day, twenty. Your presumptive penalty is thirty penalty days plus pr- dismissal probation. Your aggravated penalty is termination, first time. Right. This is the one that it gets dumbed down to a lot. Making an inaccurate official statement or causing same to be made by another. Mitigated penalty, five days. Presumptive penalty, 10 days. Aggravated penalty, 15 days. Impeding an investigation, right? Which you're always going to get that charge too if they charge you with any of these. So you're always going to have that. So now you're always going to have an aggravated factor because you're going to get charged with impeding an investigation if you made a false official statement. Or And I'm sure that was – I didn't ask Sal, but I'm sure he got charged with this as well, impeding an investigation because he didn't admit to doing uncompensated security. We should do a, we should do a follow-up with Sal because I think that a, a lot of the charges that he has – Will definitely fall into these categories. I'm pretty confident that they weaponize this matrix against Sal Greco. And they definitely, like you said, if you make an intentional false statement, every one of these can be used against you. Misleading, yeah. inaccurate, impeding. And they're going to say you impeded in the investigation. So you're going to get Absolutely. that same charge, right? You're going to get two charges. So now you get a mitigated penalty on. You're not going to get impeding an investigation and not in a false official statement. Like it's it not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's almost the same charge. It's all, it's almost being hit twice for the same fucking thing. They're charging with the same thing. They just they just put another another spin on it. Um. So mitigated penalty twenty days. Presumptive penalty thirty days plus thirty penalty days plus dismissal probation. Aggravated penalty, which is going to be the false official statement, termination. I mean, and and again, this is so open to fucking into like to whoever the bear is and how we want to spin all this shit. So Uh open. Oh, you didn't you didn't do uncompensated security for Roger Stone, a charge we don't even have in the police department. No. I didn't do I didn't do it. Okay. You misled us. You impeded in the investigation. You're terminated. Bingo. 100%. It's that easy. Remember we used to say this is a safe, secure job. That's why I took this job. Secure job. This is the least secure job. You got a better chance of fucking working in Starbucks for fucking 25 years than you do in the NYPD currently. And that's why 20 is the new 10. And I'll tell you right now. I, you could go back my first fucking 10 years. I don't think I make it out. I don't think you make it out, Tim. I don't think most of the guys, I don't think most of the guys that, that came out with us in the impact era would even have made it out or got promoted to sergeant or lieutenant or any of this shit. No way. I remember actually, actually, I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I remember actually having GOs uh, uh, for inspections and certain things when it came to arrest force. This is before TRIs. And I remember because we were involved, I was, you know, in, in, as an anti-crime sergeant, uh, 
as a cop, we were so busy, so active. I remember there was a couple of times where I was giving a response, and then after my complete response, I said, whoa, I'm sorry, that was a different arrest. And let me actually, you know, I was just cross-referencing, just because just, we were so busy, we were constantly engaging people. And all right, no problem. But nowadays, I, 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 I think that would be used against you. No, no, that's it. You said it. It's over. Especially with the Civilian Complaint Review Board. I mean, uh, it's not humanized anymore. They, they, you say it all the time. I mean, they expect cops to be the most amazing, perfect human beings on, on the face. It's just not the reality. I mean, and like you said, this, this cop that was interviewed, I can't even remember what I did two hours before. Like, I would have to actually sit down and think, what, what did I actually do? I mean, the day is so fixed. You don't remember what happened three years ago? We don't remember. And that's why I tell the cops, too. When you're under an investigation, please, CCRB loves to ask, how far were you from someone? How many feet? How many cops were there? You do not know. Those answers do not answer. You don't have a ruler. I've answered those questions a hundred times wrong. You think you're, you think you're in close proximity to someone? or you think you're far away and then you watch the body camera and you were completely in a different spot or a different distance than you thought it was because time is distorted, it felt different. Um, you don't know how many cops are there. You're watching the scenario, it's you and your partner, that's who you can account for. Because this cops responding, people watching, you don't know who's there. There's people, I mean, that's just, it's totally inaccurate that they do that. I mean, just CCRB just doesn't understand. Cops, you need to, I tell you right now, please, if you have a CCRB investigation, reach out to John and I. We are glad to help you with that case. Because when you go to a CCRB investigation and you're going to sit down and speak to an investigator, it's going to be recorded. You're going to have a three to five minute window to have representation from the attorney. And I don't know about you, but three to five minutes, you cannot get enough information out there for the, for the attorney to actually help you in your case. And your union rep will be there. And he or she ha it, it doesn't have a law degree, and they don't have any training for this either. So I don't know how they're going to help you. They can't. I can tell you this. I have the most complaints. I have experience doing this. I've done my research on how to do these investigations. I would actually sit with my cops when they had a complaint or just a geo, and I would actually pretend I was the investigator, five questions, and teach them. This is a skill you have to learn, how to do an investigation. You have to slow that CCRB investigator down. Don't try to defend yourself. You're not there to defend yourself. You're just there to tell the truth. Tell them what happened. If they're asking a question, you don't understand it, stop them. If they ask you the same question in four different forms, acknowledge it. Let them know. I understand the question you're asking. You asked this three times before, just in different ways. I understand you're trying to elicit a false response. My answer remains the same. And then let your attorney, and push your attorney on the spot and say, hey, are you going to account for this? Are you going to acknowledge this? Make them do their job. Call John and I. We will help you. All right? Because these attorneys are not helping you. And they're being paid by your union dues. You deserve good representation. Yeah, when I uh, when I was actually there, a good friend of mine, still on the job, so I'm not even going to try to identify him, but he's a boss now. He's an executive. And... Uh, but before he was an executive, he went down to CCRB, and he's got a lot of CCRB. He's a proactive guy. He uh, he worked in Brooklyn North most of his career after his promotions. Um, so, And he was always a busy guy. He was a busy guy as a cop. He was busy as a sergeant. He was busy as a lieutenant. He's always busy. He's still busy. Still getting – you know, and uh, 
So he, when I was there, he called me. He's like, bro, I'm having a problem. I think they're going to suspend me. I'm like, what's going on? And he said that I went into the, I went into the, I went into the investigation and the CCRB investigator asked me, okay, tell me what happened that day. And I said, no, ask me a question. And the CCRB investigator said, no, tell me what happened that day. And he said, no, you have a complaint against me. You have an investigation that you're doing. You will ask me a question and I will respond to your questions. I don't, I don't even know what your investigation is, so I don't know what to tell you about. Tell me you ha- you're investigating this. You lead the investigation. I will answer questions. I'm not just going to elicit a statement. So his lawyer was like, oh, shit. His lawyer didn't even know it went on. So I spoke to the department advocate. I was like, hey, you know, they got to fucking – because that, that, you know, they'll have the department advocate come in and tell you, you got to answer questions, right? So I spoke to the department advocate. department advocate said, um, no, they have to ask him a question. I said, exactly. He's 100% right. He's 100% right. So the department advocate went in there. He's like, all right, ask him a fucking question. You know, like, you know, and, you know, I, I, I he didn't get hit with anything that day. And the kid looked like a complete boob, the investigator. But, you know, that was... It was genius on his part because it's he's a hundred percent right. Like you have an allegation against me, ask me questions and I'll answer them. Why do I have to tell you a whole scenario? You know, especially now in 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 this day and age. You know, it's not like where it was. You go to CCRB, and you could just whatever. You could rattle off, and as long as you really didn't do anything, you were fine. It's not like that anymore. It's not like that. And again, I'm going to go back. To watch what I put out. Watch what Dermot Shea said. It's very important, the language that's being used. It's very, very important. We we, 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 we lessen the arrests. We stop the, we lessen the stops. We lessen the summonses. This is the goal of this matrix. So here you are, police commissioner. You're, you're here and everyone's saying, what the hell is the police department doing? We're our progressive police department that was implemented under Bill de Blasio. Dermot Shea was his talking puppet. He wasn't a police commissioner. So was Jimmy O'Neill, and so was Bill Bratton the second time around. They were ham puppets. Boom, boom, boom. Bill de Blasio ran this job. This was litigation that he wanted to detract and deter proactive, intrusive policing. And this is what's going on. And still, with all of this, you have your men and women going out there, and they made over fucking 7,000. They took over 7,000 guns off the street. They made 4,000 gun arrests. And out of those 4,000, who's in jail? How many were even prosecuted? How many were, how many were withheld? How many were, were, were remanded during trial? How many were repeat offenders? You know, this is this is data, Commissioner, that if people came out and saw that data, what happened to those 4,000 gun arrests? I mean, it's very obvious what's going on. It's very obvious. Our justice system has been upended. Our police departments are being dismantled. And police officers are being demonized for doing their job. So you guys that are still going out there and, and making gun arrests, I applaud you. Listen, I love New York City. 
I'm, I'll, you'll never hear me say, let it burn. I've never said it. I've never said, I don't give a fuck. I don't live in the city. I've never said it. Even now, it fucking forced me out. It wouldn't let me eat in restaurants. It removed me from my fucking career of 18 years. And by the way, big shout out to all the guys that passed the captain's test. You got one up because you got actually two up because Eric Dim didn't get his shot and I didn't get my shot, you know, because I guarantee I would have been on the top of that fucking list. You know, and I guarantee Eric would have been too if he he should have been a captain before that. You know, um, but I, I'm talking about this from a city that did this to me. I, I'm in Florida not right now because not because I want to be because I need to fucking put food on the table. You know, um, so you know, and I'm still saying that I love this fucking city. I do. I love New York City. It's my home. It's everything I know. It's 42 years. You know, I had a lot of people attacking me. Go enjoy your life in Florida. And I, you know, I listen. 42 years. I lived in the city for 42 years. I served in the NYPD for 18 years. I am New York City. So I will be talking about this till the day I'm dead. Wherever I go, people don't ask me if I'm from Jersey or anywhere else. They're like, "Oh, what part of the city are you from?" You know. Um, and so I'm saying this truly, these cops are being demonized for doing their job. They're not being demonized because they're doing fucked up things. Yes. Do cops do fucked up things? Yes. There's 20,000 of them. There's a very small percentage. This is again, the least corrupt department that's ever existed on the face of the planet. Um, and, and this, this thing has been weaponized. Take those penalties off of there. Take them off. Well said, brother. Absolutely. Presumptive, mitigating, that has to go. It's open to interpretation. It's open to bias. It's open to nepotism. And and it's particularly in this situation, you're open to actually getting doubled down. I mean, if you're getting charged with false statements, why not throw an impeding investigation on it? Throw a misleading? You should get every charge. It's it's almost like when when a a perpetrator is arrested for... um, you know, possession of a firearm and now intend to use and, and all these other charges go along with it. It's the same thing. You have this charge of false statement. We have all these charges that go along with it. And it could be used to help you if you're Richard Shea, you get those mitigating factors. Or if you're a nobody or you're South Greco and you're a MAGA guy, you know, that's what he's been painted out to be, then you're getting terminated. This can be weaponized in any way they see fit. There's definitely other parts of this matrix that I think that, that we can go over where we probably need about a week. There's just so much meat and potatoes with the disciplinary matrix, but it's, it's it's really important that the cops understand they have to. Please, if you're one of my police officers out there, if you worked for me, or you're just a cop, and you, you, you've heard of John and I, what we're doing, the message that we're trying to get out there, please take the time to read presumptive, read mitigating, read aggravating factors, and then read these specific penalties. And then ask yourself, wow, if you're one of these very active guys out there, Holy shit, what am I doing? Am I put myself in a bad spot? Am I in a bad spot already? And if you are in a bad spot already, how do you proceed forward? I mean, these are scary things. You really need to understand this disparate matrix. That's why I said in a tweet, uh, and I said, I appreciate Police Commissioner Key Chan Sewell for taking this approach or just acknowledging that the disparate matrix is flawed and needs to be revamped and remod- modified. But that just scratches the surface. I mean, where are we modifying it? I, I think the stuff that she actually talked about, the talking points, and maybe that was just what came out of post, is stuff that's on the surface and, and, and very minor stuff. It's easy to uh, make a determination on the right to know the business card acts if you didn't give your name. But this is the stuff that we need to get in. 
this is what I want to see, Commission. So this is what needs to be done. Presumptive mitigating aggravating that needs to be wiped out completely. And John, I think you and I can completely agree that that's that's where to start. Hundred percent. Get rid of the penalties. Take the the absolutely. thing case by case, and have a point where CCRBs or any discipline comes off of officers' records. Why are we being held to this ridiculous standard for do for most of the shit that we're not even guilty of? Half the time we're not even found guilty of it, and and it's still it's on our record forever and ever. I mean, I could see it being on an eternal record, but why does Eric Dimmy separate it from the department? Why is that still public information? Well, it's absolutely insane. Think about it. If you if you file for bankruptcy according to federal federal laws, it's seven to ten years that it it completely gets wiped off your credit report. Depending if you claim chapter seven, ten, thirteen, or eleven, seven to ten years that's coming off your report. If you were involved in a car accident, that comes off your record three to five years. If you receive a moving violation within 18 months or three years, that comes off your record. And you and I have been talking about the Clean Slate Act. So if you're a felon after seven years, that's going to come off your record. But if you've got a substantiated civilian complaint, it's never coming off your record. And I'll give you one even better. If, if you're in my position, if you've got a substantiated civilian complaint, and you took it to trial and you win and you are found not guilty forever on your record. It says substantiated. It does not say not guilty. And just one more thing I got to bring up. I mean, like I said, we could go into every aspect of this. And if anybody wants us to talk about one of the other aspects, just hit us up. Let us know. Um, but hate speech. <laughs> hate speech. Right. Such misconduct may apply to activity covered by the following patrol guide procedure, 203.32, personal social media accounts and policy. I don't know what hate speech is. If, again, if I support the First Amendment, is that hate speech? If I support the Second Amendment, is that hate speech? I'm seeing currently now um, what happened. There's a group in New York City, Guardians of Divinity. I had a girl on here, Deanna. I believe she's a member of the Guardians of Divinity. And what they do is they counter protest like all of like the leftist policy. So what they do is they go to Councilman Botcher's I believe it was his place of business, but they enter the building. Wrong, right? 100% wrong. Right? And they do that because of his support of his support of taxpayer funded drag story hour right so drag story hour is you bring school age children to drag queens and they read them stories some are some of them are normal stories some of these events are very sexual suggestive stories some of these events the drag queens are actually doing pole dancing and other inappropriate things with children now now, if you're a parent and you feel that that's how you want to parent your child, I believe that that's child abuse. I do. I, I think that if you look in the law, that that is child abuse. But if we're currently saying that isn't, um, it's not child abuse, then you should pay for that on your own. There's no reason why taxpayer-funded events. So, again, so for me saying that right now, I believe in current-day New York City, they will say what I just said is hate speech. So Guardians of Divinity now goes to protest Botcher. They 
they go into the vestibule from what I see on the video. As they're in the vestibule, they're videotaping, whatever. A guy snatches the phone out of someone's hand and smashes it. I think there's an interaction there. And the the super comes out and says, get the F out of here, and they leave. Cops aren't there yet. Cops now come, lock two of them up for trespassing in the vestibule, which I don't know how that worked, but and I'm not even going to get into it. Um, but they're being labeled as a hate group now in New York City. So, and a lot of them are gay. So, I you know, so like, so it's a real iffy line. And and I I did speak with with uh, one or two of them, and I told them because I you know I I listen. I think you guys are in a bad spot in in, in Manhattan. I, I I like you guys. You don't want to deal with any of it. I and I get it. But I told them, don't go into any buildings because I, I said exactly like that. I said, if you're going to go into a building, you feel the need to protest, you could protest on a street. You go into someone's building, you go in front of someone's house. I'm on the scene. I'm locking you up. I'm locking you up. I'm not you criminal trespass. I boom, you know, um. So and and it's a bad spot for all of you. But my, my point in it is, is like they're being labeled a hate group now saying that they hate gays when most of them are gay themselves. And 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 like so my point is they could hate speech. What is hate speech? It's it's so open to interpretation, it's not even funny. To have that in there and and the the mitigating penalty on that is separation from the department. The presumptive penalty is termination. So I don't I don't understand where our unions are. If I say I support the police, is that hate speech? I would say it is when we're being demonized. If I say that blue lives matter, I'm going to say that that's hate speech. If I say that I believe in the nuclear family, that's hate speech. If I believe in the Second Amendment, I believe in guns. If I support Donald Trump, if I and it's so open to interpretation. And honestly, like the more I look at the matrix, I still wonder. It just shows again. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Every union in New York City is ran by liberal Democrats. I don't care how they're registered to vote. Every union in the city is run by liberal Democrats. They did not put any – our own police unions did not put any opposition up to this disciplinary matrix whatsoever. If they sent out a tweet, I really don't give a fuck. Don't show it to me. I don't care. Again, I believe in actions, not words. Um, because that's the same shit that that you know you're being gaslit right now. That it's everybody else's fault that you don't have a contract for six years. It's all the other unions' fault that you don't have a contract for six years. I think that you know this whole thing should have been pushed back originally by our unions. Um, it shouldn't have been coming from the police commissioner because she is poli- You know, she's a politically appointed individual, right? It should it should have really the first interaction on this should have came by way of legal action from all of the police unions as a collective. And it didn't. So I applaud Key Chan Sewell for coming out and taking this upon herself, putting this on her shoulders. But I, it, again, like we're saying, that that's, that's what needs to be done. These penalties need to be removed so that they're not weaponized. You're going to say you're going to terminate me for hate speech? and 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 yet I'll sit down and I'll invite anyone in this department to come down and sit down with me and let's have a conversation about hate speech. And I guarantee you will look like a fool. 
I guarantee it. And I'll be very respectful and very nice. I'll try not to say fuck or anything else unintentionally, but I guarantee you will look like a fool. I guarantee it. Did, no, did, Scott, did Scott Greco get charged with, with hate speech? He didn't. He didn't. But he easily could. You know, he right. easily could. Because, it, again, it's, a, it's open to interpretation. You know, it's very open to interpretation. I, I don't know what that is. And we're going to terminate offices for that. And I know the union's response is going to be, well, nobody was terminated for that yet. But we don't need to wait for that. I don't want to see the light get installed on the corner where there's 15 accidents after somebody's dead. Right? That's not how you do things. You know what I mean? Put the light up. When you see there's a problem, stop it. Take the action. Get it, Get in front of it, you know? It's uh, and and we're not doing that now. We're not doing it. Um, so I, I, you know, I think we, I think we beat it up. I, th- I think that's what it is. Get rid of, get rid of the penalties, make it case by case, and uh, clean, clean Eric Dem's record up a little bit. I mean, it's fucker, it's ridiculous. All these guys. Maybe, Maybe I can get involved in the clean slate act. No, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Is like you're, you're a cop, you're a third class citizen. The current hierarchy in New York is criminals are first, then everybody else after them, and then cops after everybody else. You know, it's it, it's really bad, man. Like we're not getting, you guys aren't getting due process, and you're not even get, like again, I'm gonna say you're not getting equal protection under the law. You're not. But and 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 just the last point. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. My last point. Why? Why are the names on the pension section removed, but everybody can see your penalty history? Right? Like, you know, why can't I know who has a three hundred thousand dollars pension who retired in twenty twenty? You know, it's pretty funny. I actually, I put on Facebook, I put out my own fifty A. Since everybody else, since cop watch only so <laughs>